Hey, what up, everybody? It's episode 229 of the Fake Nerd Podcast. We're here to talk about my favorite arch enemy, Giant Killer. Uh, we're just having a good old time, and I realized that I didn't bring the best prop I possibly could have for the beginning of this, which is to hold up and gloat about my PlayStation 5, which is in this house, but not in my immediate vicinity. Um, oh, well, you know, best laid plans. Whoops. I can't wait to sit next yeah. to you and look at it. Ooh, boy. Uh, anyway, I'm Sparks Witty. I am joined, as usual, by my good friend Brandon T. McClure, the master Ben Magnet over there, and, of course, my good housemate Ryan Eliopoulos. What's up? I'm in space. We, you are in space. You are in space. We're back again doing another one of these. Uh, Sparks, if you don't mind, we have a lot of links in the description that I should tell anybody listening or watching this right now. I, I do I do mind. Hold on. We all have to wait here. I'm gonna go grab the PS5. It's just the box. I'm just gonna go. <laughs> okay, so no, we're gonna wait. Kidding. We're gonna wait in silence, uh, which will not bother the the video watchers. I'll it'll definitely bother my, the audio boss. I'll grab my PS4, yeah. my like launch PS4 that sounds like a jet engine anytime I rev it up, and that'll be loud enough to distract everyone before he gets his cool. PS5. Cool. I was gonna grab something as well, but then I realized it's not in my possession. I'm letting a friend borrow it, so I'm like, oh well, shit. There goes that idea. We all lose. Okay, so real quickly, um, Ryan, myself, and Ben have links in the description. Ryan, you have a downright what? annoyed. Oh my gosh, yeah, hell yeah. I did that like three hours ago. That was fun. Yeah, Secret of Nim. Yeah, the Secret of Nims. I'm not going to tell you what Nim Nim's about. It's a secret. Um, that's a real good animated movie, you guys. I haven't seen that since I was like a wee little baby. Um, that movie rocks. If you, if you like animation, uh, it's from 1982 or something. Um, real, real good. Like a lot of lot of heart in that movie. It's real good. Is it also yeah. there's like this crazy ass scene where it's like oh, I heard that it was like this like really grotesque scene and that a lot of people when they watch it when they're adults are like, God, this is a kid's movie. Um I may uh, I mean it's is very, it, very mature. It's very mature for for uh especially like an early early like eighties kids movie. But like I, it's you might be thinking like Watership Down, which is about a bunch of rabbits. I, think I'm thinking, yeah, I always kind of get it. I always get Secret of Nim mixed up with Once Upon a Forest. Is that the one where they build the giant bird made out of leaves? Not the yes. one from the freaking, not yes. the one. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I remember that one. I remember that one too. Cause you know, you look at, you, you look at all those, a lot of those old animated movies and there's, you know, Kubo is also similar in that vein. Um, there are these sequences in Once Upon a Forest where there's these men in gas masks and, and we're seeing it from the animal's perspective and you look up and like, it's a horrifying sequence um, when they're trying to escape the, the the gas the gassing of their of their of their family man it's all it's almost like the early 90s was trying to warn their children about in climate change and global warming and that didn't come back to buy anybody in the butt this week not at all <laughs> um and of course ben <laughs> you have oh but ryan real quickly um for those of the for anybody watching this or listening to this who doesn't know uh what is downright annoyed real quickly Oh yeah, it's a it's a weekly like uh it's like a weekly movie podcast, but it's like a live show where we just talk about a movie that we uh, we spin a wheel and we randomly choose a movie, uh, and then once a month we we at the end of each episode we gather a movie from a specific genre and then we spin like a big genre wheel to see like what our final movie will be. Um, we just talk about a movie for thirty minutes to an hour. It's a lot of fun. Uh, sometimes the movies are great. Next week we're talking about Justice League because we're prepping for uh this the the Sneeder cut. Because uh, because Mike likes to torture us specific, specifically, that's why he chose it. So downright, uh, downright, downright nerdy picked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He picked it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so like, I was gonna have to do it anyway. I guess I'd rather do it sooner rather than later. Um, yeah. So check that out next week if you want to see me try to be positive. 
<laughs> I guess I guess I'll do that with you. Ooh, you do live with me. I, That's one camera. I was actually think, I was just I just had fun. I was like, do you think you'd be mad if I texted him and said, hey, can I do be on this one? I'm gonna be on Ryan's side and help him. You gotta you gotta you gotta just ask. That's all. I'm gonna try to be positive, but like I mean I the movie's whatever. You know what? I, I was also thinking about watching it this week. I might also join you guys. You're not gonna watch the spider cut. You why would you do that? Uh, that's why actually because I wanna... you can you can be positive about the Whedon one. That is sure. the official movie. All right, okay, I can leave it. Uh well mostly because Zara wants to watch it. She hadn't seen it. Okay, there you uh, go. Yeah, yeah. What the so, shit? Also, Ben, you uh, last week I totally blanked and did not put your latest old school gamer magazine article in the description. So it, that is down below now. I was about to say because when you said I had a link in the description, it was like I told you right before the show started that I'm writing my newest one right now. That's not in there. That'll be next week. But your your last one is down there. Do you want to uh, tell people what that one's about? Uh, crap. What, what what was that one about? I actually the multiplayer is not dead. Yes, that one. That one. Thank you. Yeah. yeah yeah, it's pretty much about how, because uh, you know how for retro gamers, um, they say it's like, oh, I miss the days of sitting, going to players to my friends' houses and playing couch co-op, and now it's all online. It's not the same. It's like, well, now that we're in pandemic, it kind of has to be. And there are some retro games that do offer online multiplayer. Sparks and I, a while ago, we played Metal Slug 3 online, and that's a classic SNK game. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, multiplayer is not dead. It just had to evolve, and thanks to the pandemic, it had to evolve even further. So that's in the description below. And I have a link in the description below uh, where I guest starred on a podcast, Lady Comic Book History. Um, we talked about Ooh. Spider Women. Um, I kind of went there thinking we'd talk all about Ghost Spider, but that's not what happened. So, um, But you had a great one. time, so that's what's important. Had a good time. Cool. That's in the description below uh, as well. And uh, we have a bunch of stuff as far as the network goes. Hey, I might not have a link but I have a PS5, so. Oh, there you Actually, go. Actually, uh, I, did, I did make light of it earlier with the, the global warming comment, but I did want to say that I, I thought a lot about a lot of people in Texas this week. It feels like there's a terrible thing in our country every week, but uh, yeah. Texas particularly was really, has been really, really upsetting to me because of how slow moving the government in Texas was to act to help a lot of people. Um, so there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of information out there about where you can go to donate and help out with food, blankets. People need a lot of help in, in that state right now. So if you can donate donate anything, please do so. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Ted Cruz is doing everything that he can to help this country. <sighs> help um, yeah. Side note, I actually have uh, – my father lives in southern Texas, and hit. I mean, he, he's fine. His wife is fine. Um, their house is fine. But I, was, I called him up. I was like, hey, are you doing okay? And – um, luckily he was, it wasn't, I mean, cause where my dad is, it's super South, but his pipes froze. I mean, luckily none of them burst cause he turned the water off, but still, I'm just glad he was okay. So yeah, heart goes out to the people of Texas. Uh, I, may, I may rag on Texas a lot, but my heart does go, go out. To I me. mean, I, I spent my entire uh, childhood growing up there. Uh, and it only snowed once every couple of years. Luck, like as much as I love snow, but like that's, it's, it's, it's a sad, it's a bummer. Like global yeah. warming is real guys. Just, you know, stop mm -hmm. it. Stop denying it. The uh, Fake Nerd Podcast uh, supports Texas. Our hearts go out to you. Yes, we do. Um, I mean, you know, uh, I'll put a link. Uh, I'll put a donation link in the description uh, post show uh, for people who want to you know, do something. Um, I didn't think about it beforehand, but but I should definitely. Do I, that. I didn't. I didn't think about bringing it up beforehand, but I was like, you know, that that 
watching some of the stories come out of Texas really, really bothered me this week. Yeah. Um, mostly because it was just a whole lot of like needless loss going on. Uh, I, I think we all know about like stories about the the boys, the boy who died in the mobile home from hypothermia and, and lot other lot of other people who are still going to be lost from that. And so, yeah, yeah it's a it's a crappy situation that shouldn't have had to happen. Um, we also have uh, moving on, moving on. Uh, we also have a bunch of show stuff. Um, we put a bunch of bunch of uh, programs from the network uh, on this week. Uh, for example, in the description, you can find two episodes of WandaVision. Um, it's episode six and episode seven. Um, watch them consecutively if you want to see me slowly lose my mind. Um, <laughs> and uh, those are those are below. Um, that's that's been a lot of fun to do. Um, I put the, I don't know if you guys wanted it in there, but I did put the Nintendo direct live stream. Sure. See our failed experiment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's down oh, there. When Ryan told me that my audio didn't go through for that, my heart sank. Cause I thought, cause I, okay. Cause when they announced the Nintendo direct that, like the night, the day before I was like, I want to try something. And then I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. Sparks is like, yeah, I'll be honest. Like, oh, Hey, we can actually do this. This is awesome. And it did not work. But you know what? Lessons learned, and the next one's going to be better. Hey, yeah, like, hey, yeah. You know, Ben, at least they didn't announce something like super mega big oh. that would have broken your heart to have lost if, your reaction to. If they did not, if they mentioned anything Metroid, I mean, we're going to talk about direct later on, but if they mentioned anything Metroid, either like Metroid Anniversary or Metroid Prime 4 in that direct, I would have lost my freaking mind. Um, yeah, so that's that's down there. I, was, I watched it a bit at Costco. Um, because I wanted to see what you, what you guys were doing because we went to Costco on that day, and I was like, I can't hear Ben. That's so weird. It must be something wrong with my my connection or whatever. It's, it wasn't you, but it was it was me. I don't know what the... it was weird. No, it wasn't you. Like, it was I trying to maneuver all of the different sites and get audio for everything is is to do it in less than thirty minutes. Your first time, I just couldn't figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I it was yeah. also bizarre because I I checked our stream during one portion and I did hear. Ben and Ryan, but we couldn't hear the, the stream. And then, and then uh, later on, we could hear the stream, but we couldn't hear Ben. Is it was a whole thing. Yeah. Um, uh, but hey, if you guys want to check, if you guys want to check that one out, that's that's in the description below. Um, we also have a new episode of Basement Arcade Pause Menu, our freshman series, um, where you guys talked to adults talking anime plus about consoles. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. That, that was. Oh, yeah, that was a really fun conversation. I had a lot of fun. Can't wait to do the next one. Next episode of Basement Arcade coming. I don't know. Um, and then there's the Fake Nerd Book Club um, audio feed has just put up our interview with Michael Morisi. Yeah. Um, so that's up. Actually, you can find that on three places now. We're very proud of that interview. Um, you can find that on this channel. You can find that on the audio feed of the Fake Nerd Podcast. And you can find that on the Fake Nerd Book Club audio feed. So you can find that a lot of places, but it's now on that audio feed and the link is in the description below. Um, and I think that's everything down there. Sounds about right. I think everything so. so far. Um, okay. So that'll, that'll be it. So check out those links. Um, we put out a lot of content uh, that we are really proud of. So, um, Hey, how about it? Uh, okay. So who wants to go first with their week? I will Ooh. go first. I'll go first. Um, I didn't do a whole lot. The biggest thing that I did was probably um, I had to deal with the Nintendo Direct. 
um i was like i saw the tweet i tried to get that stream that didn't happen or that didn't work well super well on my end but uh, besides that i did catch up on some of my comic books um i actually i actually went to the store today and, and picked up the rest of my books as well and um yesterday i went back to frankincense because i want to get some new art i know the only new piece people can see is my blown up pokemon lugia cover right there for pokemon gold silver I got some more stuff. I mean, more art will be added later down the line, but I've been jonesing to go. So I went and I saw a buddy of mine who gave me my little Pac-Man Amiibo. He gave this to me for free last time I saw him. So I went and I got a Pitfall Mine Adventure for the Game Boy Advance. Never uh, open it. Nah, no, this is still sealed. Still factory sealed. I'm just kidding. You should open it. Why would oh, no, you want to open it? No, no, I'm going to open this. I want to play this game. <laughs> okay. I'm the type, I mean, I'm the type of collector that if I get complete in box sets like CIBs, I will still make sure all the all the pamphlets are in there. It's just I want to play the game really bad. It's just it's weird to me that you, that people wouldn't collect collectors. Yeah, it's collectors. Like, Brandon, when you got me that Goldar, like the second like we were done like recording or whatever I did that day, I went upstairs and I opened it and I was like, Good. "Ooh, he's got a sword! It's got an energy beam <laughs> on it!" I put it on my shelf. Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, to open your shit. Like, I, I like yeah. things that things are there to be enjoyed. Speaking yeah. of opening, hold on one second. He's all, way back here. But uh, Brandon, do you remember that Godzilla figure you gave me? No. Wait. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I gave you. I gave you my damage box. Uh, there he is. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, freaking the tail was so freaking hard to put on. The instructions say you put the tail in a bomb in a glass of warm water for twenty seconds, then you could pop it on. That's a weird. That's a. It is. It's so weird, but yeah, there. How it looks really cool out of the box. I know because when I see NECA figures like this, like I don't want to take it out of the box, but at the same time, it's like it just looks so much better. Yeah, that is the, the uh, Sparks and I both have that figure as well. That is the um, uh, poster variant for the original Godzilla. The American uh, poster. The American poster for the original yeah. Godzilla. Yeah, where they said, out. where they said, what if he was green with pink spines? Yeah, I actually really dig this uh, design. I'm gonna put. No, you it's on. a cool design. Oh, and what if his breath is was fire, literal fire? Yes. Yeah. Well, of well they hadn't quite defined. It's just. Oh no, I know, game. I know. I mean, I know. Yeah. Uh, besides that, I played a little Fortnite. Um, I played a little bit of a. I played more board games with Fanny and my roommate Kai. Uh, it's probably not we're probably not in the news, but uh, today, as we're recording this, it is official release or official 35th anniversary of The Legend of Zelda. You're right. That's the not in the Zelda. news. Yeah. Yay. Well, yep. The Legend of Zelda, this glorious series right here. He's know, ready for it. All my 3DS titles came out in Japan today in 1986, and it did not reach the United States until August 27 or August 22nd, 1987. So we still have over a year and a half until Americans were going to experience The Legend of Zelda. Not that long. Yeah. But quick little fun fact. When the um, when Zelda first came out in Japan, it wasn't on a cartridge. The Famicom had this little thing called the Famicom Disk System disc system, and these little cube uh, floppy disk things that you would put in a, in a disk that would attach to your Famicom. What's a floppy disk? Yeah, no, something from the late 80s. You know that thing that you can take, take the metal bits off and make the Enterprise? Oh, oh, those things you buy at hobby stores. Got it. The, the yeah. things, the things that you used to take exactly three documents to school on. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. I got two songs on it, and no yeah. more. 
So yeah, um, that's how the Legend of Zelda first graced uh, graced the the world, and then later on, Nintendo f- decided, you know what, we're gonna put this in a cartridge, and it was one of the very first cartridges on the NES to have battery saves. You don't have to like keep putting in a password like you did if you lost at Mega Man or something. You just oh, yeah, beat yeah. the game the whole way through. So yeah, yeah that's the little little Zelda history lesson. Also, wear my wear my hat because you know. Oh. I freaking love like we this just game. Got the, we just unlocked the Zelda bike in Super Mario and Mario Kart. Oh, you did oh, yeah. in the, the oh the Master Cycle is awesome. Yeah, that was although cool I did, bike. although I was looking at my cover for uh, Link Between Worlds, my 3DS game, and if you look at it right here in the corner, it says basic reading ability is required to fully enjoy this. Oh, game. there's yeah, that's that's Zelda, right? Oh my goodness, we oh. are we are graced with the presence. At um, this point, it shouldn't be a surprise anymore because I, I literally live here. <laughs> Jeremy so, Bellucci, oh what's man. up? My I can't hold on. There is our. I have to. Who? There is our. Sorry, guys. Uh, that's okay. I have like, like a whole thing on the audio. You got like a whole system. Yeah. That's our. That's you our. That's our composer. <laughs> that's the fake <laughs> podcast composer and, uh, so and know, creator, super proctologist. Here's your bread and butter. Godzilla up here right now. Well, yeah, that's pretty much uh, all I did for my week. I just played some video games, read some comic books. Um, I uh, caught up on Batman Catwoman and played a little bit of Fortnite, getting a little closer to the best car. And that's, pretty, and that's about it. Cool. Love it. Also, when I would come home, I'd watch a little bit of RuPaul's Drag Race with Fanny because she'd be watching that when I come home from work at night. She'd be watching. Yep, she'd be watching. I Ryan missed that show. Either one of you want to go next? Sure, I'll go. Right. Um. Once again, uh, um, I don't like I don't like complaining about work too much, but it's where I kick my butt. People really, really want to go to restaurants, uh, so that keeps me real busy and it makes me really tired. Um, but I am still consistently like I do. I am enjoying still watching Critical Role. I am almost to episode one hundred, and they are currently live at uh. At like 125 i think or something so i'm slowly almost to to catch up i think the pandemic put them behind a little bit so i'm it's a little bit less time uh, than if it was a regular regular life um but that's still really fun i'm still really invested they did a lot of live shows but before the pandemic happened uh, and those are the most fun to watch like i think you can watch those on your own and just have a really good time um and i just got to like february where it's like the pandemic is about to happen. So like, I think like the next episode, I think it's like when stuff, stuff starts changing and I'm like, oh, cool. I've arrived to the bad parts of life again. Cool. Um, I remember that, life, life things. that reminds me, I was watching, I was so, I was so far behind my podcast and I still, I, I still am because like pandemic ruined my schedule. So I never found where I can slice some podcasts again. Yeah. But I was watching, I was listening to podcasts from like, from like July, 2019 in October 2020. Yeah, yeah. I was like, they're like, yeah, we're gonna be at this place. I'm like, oh man, this is sad. Yeah, it, yeah. it is. It is. Oh. It's wild to listen to like the the sweet summer children that don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I told I tweeted this. I tweeted this, but it was just like sometimes I put on I put on episode episodes of podcasts and YouTube videos from before the pandemic just to feel alive. People I, I think. Time. I, like I'm catching up on Waypoint, but I think back to when I was caught up on Waypoint just before we went into the lockdown. And like, I think it was in February listening to Patrick talk about, I'm getting pretty worried about what's going on up in, in Washington. And, um, and, and then just like cutting to cutting to now and being like, Oh man, Oh boy. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting world. Like it's different from like a movie or TV where it's like those things were filmed a long time ago. When you do a live thing every week, that like that fundamentally changes what you do. Yeah. Um, luckily, they found a way to like to to do it. Um, you know, with space like six feet away and blah blah blah. But like, I, uh, it's, it's still great. I kind of wish that I was watching any of like the network shows that are are treating the pandemic as part of it. Yeah, like a, like a Ooh. real event that's happening in this year, and they're they're living through it. They're making the characters live through it. I'm not watching God. any show like that, but I've seen clips from like the the Raven show on Disney Channel, Raven's Home. They mm. they have a, a whole thing where they're like, her and her best friend are pick are like going to like lo- loose social distance shopping with masks on, and I'm like, this is wildly weird. To is she watch. still is she still a psychic? Yeah, cool. I, I think don't, so. I don't cool. watch any. I don't watch any pandemic-related show except for Superstore, which I've kept kept up with consistently because I like that show. But they've been doing a they've been doing the pandemic, and that's the only one where I'm like, I can accept this as pandemic. Everyone else, like, skip the pandemic. Just show me life. Well, yeah. I mean, like, and that's that's the thing is like, it's just it's just such a we're we collectively on this podcast and most of America is so removed from the network element, but the network element is speaking to your current cultural moment, yeah. and so like they are living through the life you are living at the time. Like they're so based in that year in the time scale of what you're doing. Like if Gilmore girls was on today, Gilmore girls would be doing the pandemic. Sure. Like yeah. that's, that is so wild to think about. And I'm like, I'm so out of that realm at this point. I don't really watch those shows regularly anymore. And I'm, and I kind of wish I was watching the cultural moment happen right now. Like a few of those, a sampling of the shows of how they're handling it, what they're saying about it, how they're doing it. Like, what a weird, weird thing to live in. Yeah. Imagine like the Flash doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I mean, like, that's the thing is like the CW is, is kind of the only network shows I watch and they're dodging that bullet entirely. Yeah. Um, but I know there are shows out there that are like taking it head on and I, I can't even imagine. I think, I think even This Is Us is doing it, but it's weird because This Is Us is a show where they're doing it in the modern time, but, the, but they're still doing flashback shit. So it's like the flashback shit isn't with it, but the modern stuff will be. And it's oh. the, the good doctor, which is um, uh, oh, sure, South Park, South Park, oh. absolutely. Hey, uh, South Park, South Park is the one thing I watch where they're total. They're always in the cultural moment. Yeah, the the, the good doctor um, started in the pandemic, and then they and then. I think three episodes in, they did like a disclaimer and we're just like, cause Zara watches a lot of these shows and they said, we're not going to do any more pandemic episodes. We're going to skip it and, and speculate what life would be afterwards. Holy um, shit. So like, they were just, so they just went past it while one, of their cast, while one of their cast members got it. Oh gosh. Um, and, and and so like all the Chicago shows they've been doing COVID and BLM. It's it's, it's so yeah weird like the medicine shows yeah. It's so weird because like yeah I imagine like so many procedurals are just taking it head on and it's so weird because once you make that decision how do you back your way out of it? Yeah, if you get tired of having to deal with it. You're like uh, uh, I want to write this thing but pandemic. <laughs> I mean it it makes it so easy if everyone like like wearing the mask on screen they don't take it off like during takes like it just makes it easy i'm just saying adr baby uh so yeah besides critical role um my my crusade uh of playing role-playing games continues um there's a game called 
uh divinity original sin 2 that was like a full price game that got released at 20 bucks and i looked up the reviews and it is like no joke like one of the most the highly most highly reviewed rpgs of all time like tens out of tens everywhere like one's a bunch of games the year, game of the years a couple years ago so i decided to give it a shot um it is like a lot of the games i've been playing recently where i really haven't liked the combat i talked about a game called tyranny uh where the story stuff was really good but i wasn't really digging the the combat and exploration stuff um this game rules you guys and i'm so excited i found it um i know i started playing net total republic and i probably should have waited before i bought this game because screw that game i'm playing this game now um <laughs> it's so good it's so deep and there's so it's so vast the the, the breadth of content it's so crazy um it's the DD rules it's like all in that land you're playing as you know barbarians and clerics and all that shit um the story's great it's fantastic um the thing that really works for me um is that everything is narrated uh so every time something that you read something there's a narrator for everything so that really keeps me drawn in because sometimes guys i'm just real lazy and like role-playing games require lots of lots of text a lot of the time but sometimes i don't want to read a lot i know that sounds lazy to me but like you know sometimes i just want to be i want to have a good time uh playing a game um this thing it, it's great there's a narr narrator he's great he's an old british man it's fantastic um the choices you can make are vast in every way. You can be good or bad. You can be silly or stupid. Um, you can pick up every single item in the game. You can talk to every single character in the game. Um, you can fight every character in the game, and it tells you, hey, this is kind of dumb. You really want to do this? But it's like it gives you the choice to do that. Um, the characters are great. I'm playing as the prince of this of this lizard nation, uh, and like a lot of the people hate me. Uh, and I'm like a I'm like a quirky sorcerer man. Like it's really it's really fun, and I'm having such a good time. And I try to squeeze in some time uh before the podcast because i did a, a lot of stuff for the podcast today um the one thing i just want to talk about that i did today was i'm trying to escape from this prison right because i uh they don't like magic people and i'm a magic person and i was locked up so i'm trying to escape i'm going through this tomb and there's a bunch of gravestones that have like these uh these jars on them and they're like radiating energy and like you can do whatever you want in the game so like hmm i'm gonna steal that jar because it's probably worth a lot of money as soon as i do that a bunch of evil skeletons pop up and i'm like yeah that's what happens in a role-playing game i made a mistake and now i'm in, in role initiative um and that's exactly the type of thing that i love in these games i actually reverted the save to see what would happen if i did something different and i didn't encounter the skeletons so it's not a triggered thing it's the thing you you make happen mm -hmm. um so hey divinity original sin 2 fantastic rpg if you're looking into that kind of thing um real fun loving it back to you johnny <laughs> Oh, Sparks? I did something with Sparks, but I'll let him talk about it, then talk about it. Sparks? Uh, sure, yeah. Um, let me see. Let's just start with what the thing that Ryan's alluding to, which is that we finished The Haunting of Bly Manor. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, uh, that was real good. I almost, I, I really, I liked it a lot, and I almost wish it wasn't tied to Hill House, because I think it set a precedent for a lot of people, including me, because it is so different than that first season. Like it is so much more character based and like like gothic drama and like really like romance inspired. And I, I really liked it. And I also really like that first season. But well, it's like, like it's so different. Yeah, the character even acknowledges at the end, like you set it up wrong. You said it's a horror story, it's a love story. And that's yeah. even like said in the show. Yeah, that, yeah. Like, you know, this this was a love story. Um, I, I said it when I finished it. I actually prefer how the how Bly Manor ends. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily. I don't. Pre I don't prefer the series overall. Overall, but I definitely prefer the ending of Bly Manor to the ending of Hill House. Yeah. The, yeah. Those, I, go ahead. No, those last two episodes, like I think, like really solidified how much I like that show. Like yeah. the, the like the period piece episode, and then like the final episode were like real good. They they were really good. Um, I think I think for me like the the episode that was all about learning what was going on with um oh her name lady um, in the lake 
no the one who was was there but she didn't know what was going on you keep seeing her memory repeat yeah. throughout the episode that episode where they're doing the loop with her oh um, uh no no uh the oh, shaved head shaved head uh oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah 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 gotcha hannah hannah gross oh and i think you froze. So, I think he's frozen there we go oh could you hear me uh, you're back we now. lost you for a bit Okay, she was kind of like the standout performance uh, of the season for me. So that episode really worked for me. And I think what the season did so well, I talked to Ryan about this when we finished, is that what I love about Bly Manor is I, I think the conceptualization of like the afterlife for ghosts, even ghosts who do like really bad murderous thing always feels like tragedy rather than malice. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I thought that worked really, really well because it made it just feel like the way that they conceptualize the idea of you being trapped in moments in time when you don't move on uh, as a spirit, just making you kind of not even know what you're doing anymore. Yeah. Uh, and that that leads to violence, um, even unintentional violence was so well done. Um, it made it made like the tragedy of, of what, you know, if you wanna make ghost stories re- feel real, like this, this idea that they're not really malicious uh, leftover spirits, they're usually just tragic figures caught in this horrible situation of the of repeating afterlife uh, i thought that was done super super well and i thought the show capitalized on that emotional power really well so i really recommend bly manor um i thought that i thought that was really good um, yeah it's you it's me it's us it's us yeah, so I highly yeah, recommend that. that. Um, for this is us. No, no that was that's uh, Bly Manor. Yeah. Uh, okay. If if uh, if I could recommend, I would recommend that people should watch that show, and I I would recommend trying to get get through it a little closer in a chunk than we did, just so that you retain a lot of the information. Don't have to like pick it back up. Not that I dislike the show at any point where we were watching it. Um, I I just think you probably want to try and keep it in a tighter tighter cluster than we did um but solid solid i'd love to revisit it frankly um at a later point uh i didn't do a lot because i had to i had a lot of school stuff i had to focus on before i came here um i want to briefly talk about uh a game i got on my computer that i played for a total of 25 minutes but i got it because i'm like yo this is sick and i'd never heard of this before i'm sure other people had but i hadn't and i was like i can play this i can play this on my computer this is going to be great and it's called typing of the dead um oh, typing no, of the no, dead. i played this sir i know exactly what you're talking about see yeah that's what i expected i'm late to the party but typing of the dead is a house of the dead uh a facelift that makes it so that the way that you play the game is that you are typing it's supposed to help increase your speed as a typer um i played i played that for like 25 minutes that was a lot of fun um i i, I really enjoy something where i can engage like that and it's going to make me feel more comfortable with my typing speed and things like that uh i love that kind of stuff my own i only knew typing of the dead has existed i never seen it alive or like i never seen it physically the only time i've ever saw it physically was at anime Expo or not anime Expo, anime impulse the only convention i went to last year in 2020 because they had like this little arcade area with a bunch of imported japanese games and typing of the dead was one of them but here's the problem the keyboard was in japanese 
Hell yeah, yeah extra hard. <laughs> um, so I was playing, typing in the day with a Japanese keyboard, so I'm like smashing the damn board. Yeah, there's 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 no point. There's no point then. You're not you're not gaining anything. Um, no. Let let me. The, the one other thing I'll say about it is that it's it's uh, horrendously problematic. Um, uh, I the the black like it's going for uh, a, a grungy um, uh, you know grindhouse seventies vibe, but um, and and yeah, it's the exploitation, and I get that, but like, and I get that it's also a product of it, of its time in particular as well. Um, but like the, the hardest thing the hardest thing about recommending it while i think it's really great to have a video game that you can play that's going to help increase your speed as a typist is that um it is it is pretty offensive in a way that like even as going for a vibe is like gross i got something for you sparks there's a game and it's always on sale somewhere it's called the texercist it's literally uh, the same game but you play as an exorcist and you defeat demons and stuff uh with with writing text and stuff it's dope. the same thing check it yeah. out it's an indie game yeah. So there's another one. Since we're going on the topic of, ty- of typing games, there's another typing game that I've kind of wanted to try just for the sake of it, and that's Mario Teaches Typing. Oh, boy! You have to get through... So in order to jump on Goombas, you have to type out the word above the Goomba quick enough to jump on Goomba and, and so on and so forth. I really wish we had Mario Teaches Typing in my high school instead of Mavis Beacon Teaches Typing, because that was like... Well, of course! <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that I, I just like that the, these kind of opportunities exist, and I, I am taking advantage of this one to, to increase my typing, though I don't know how much I'll, how frequently I'll be playing it in the near future, but um, you know what, since we're on it, I spent another 10 minutes playing um, Lakeview Cabin Killer. Uh, if you're not familiar, it's it's kind of a sweet little simple dumb setup. Uh, it's very it's very basic indie game stuff, but I have it on my computer. Um and you're you're just trying to survive the killer uh, of your scenario. You can switch between all the characters and you set up traps and things like that. Um, super fun. Uh, I, I struggle with figuring out the best way to take out the killer, but it's still good. Um, okay, anyway, uh, I watch more Gilmore Girls. Nobody's surprised. Um, How far are you? I'm at the best moment because Luke and Lorelai are together. Yeah, so, baby. Yeah, I'm there. I know where uh, you are. Yeah, it's good. Um, and then Taylor's a fascist. Uh, I said, did, wait, hold on. Did I tweet that? I'm pretty sure you did. Because I, I thought I mean, that this week. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know when you would have. I'm sure we both expressed to each other that we both agree Taylor is a fascist. Look, there's that episode where he has that terrible toupee on. Yeah. And it looks like Hitler's comb over. And the yes. fact that nobody made a Hitler reference with him shocked me. Um, um the episode, the episode I wanna real quickly, there's an ep- the episode that you just passed, which is the one where Lorelai and Luke finally get together. Um oh, I'm I'm further than that. But well, I, um is, is that the one at the end when the dragonfly opens? Uh yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. And, and Kirk runs out naked and Luke's like, hold on, I'll explain you later. Kirk Kirk, Kirk is Sean Gunn. And he runs out of the end looking the most like a Muppet he ever has in his entire life. Until Weasel. Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I just saw Ben's tweet. Um, Me too. uh, I watched the last episode of Jujutsu Kaisen that our group is watching together, which was episode 13, which is the mid-season. It actually is like a, a pretty hard breaking point in arcs. 
So like it ends and you could just stop there for a while. So um, I, I want to continue watching it. I'm not sure if I'll pick it up right away because I'll be doing it on my own from here on. Uh, we are we as a group are switching over to Dr. Stone season two next week. Um, but I really like Jujutsu Kaisen, so I do intend to continue watching it at some point, if not in the near future. Um, I have, I, I, huh? I'll, re I'll rejoin that group eventually. Uh, I, I recommend, I recommend Jujutsu Kaisen. I really hope you can join us for Doctor Stone because Doctor Stone is solid. Um, yeah, the first season, first bit. I'll try. Yeah, uh, I mean, even if like you don't jump in right on the first two episodes of season two or whatever, like you know, as long as you get there, you get there um wandavision we watched it we talked about it go go check it out uh i read little char in the gang don't know why i did that guess i just think it's cool um maybe stay tuned and the last thing i want to talk about is uh i finally i finally watched batwoman um the season two starting point i'm uh i'm almost done with episode two um so i've got some things i can say about batwoman and uh, I, I appreciate the effort they are putting in, but they are trying to overcome such a giant mountain of shit with, uh, with this situation that they have backed themselves into. And it shows. Um, I, I, this isn't me saying like, oh, you shouldn't watch the show or the show's not good. It's just they are trying to do a lot to sell you on Ryan as Batwoman by the end of the first episode. And that is that's Ryan. Neither did I. Where's uh, my money, bitch? Right. Ryan Wilder <laughs> is the the new black uh, protagonist. Um, if Kate is not is dead, okay. If Kate is not dead, they're gonna have to really come up with a which it, at least a couple characters want to stay resolute that she isn't. Uh, they're gonna have to come up with a couple of good reasons to explain um, why. <laughs> uh, uh, just like I think that they've always left that that kind of Bruce Wayne thing hanging out there, like where did Bruce go? And I and I don't know if they have a good excuse in mind. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, if she is dead, then she went out like a punk in the worst way. Um, her death is just a they crashed a plane. That's the end. Whoa. That's it. She died in plane crash. Lame. Whoop whoop do. Um, so. Let me, let me, I want to spotlight some things. So the end of the first season, there's spoilers for, for the first season and I guess kind of the first episode of this season. So if you don't want to know any of that, don't listen to me. Um, uh, so the end of the first season, we've talked about it turned Hush into, he got Bruce Wayne's face. So now mm -hmm. he's Bruce Wayne. Um, it is super bizarre that they basically revealed the actor who would play Bruce Wayne were Bruce Wayne to come back and he's a nobody. That's super weird. Um, it's even weirder that they set that up and I'm I'm sure it's because of the situation, but they immediately back off that plot idea by the end of the first episode. Uh, everyone figures out that he's actually Tommy uh, by the end of the first episode, that he's not Bruce Wayne. They take the face away. He goes back to Arkham the end. Uh, they did They did almost nothing with it. Um, because he ever they, they have, does he ever have the mask on? The, the yeah, he, he, had the, he had the bandages for the last couple episodes before he got Bruce Wayne's face in the first season. Does it look cool? Yeah, it did. Honestly, they should have just left him at that for a while. Um, but they decided to do this Bruce Wayne thing. So so you meet characters who are meeting him and they are thinking he's Bruce Wayne and they're talking to him like it's Bruce, he's Bruce Wayne. And I'm like, this guy? <laughs> like, no offense to this actor, but I'm like, this is really weird to say like this. If Bruce Wayne ever comes back, this is our guy. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that's, that's a weird choice, my man. Okay. 
<laughs> he's a handsome guy from which really, leads, which really leads me to believe uh that we're we're never seeing bruce wayne um uh which was i think it kind of assumed but like we're definitely never seeing bruce wayne um this guy was this guy was all right uh but it was super weird that they that we immediately go revert backwards off of it uh in this first episode which i'm sure wasn't the original intent um but it makes it makes the whole point of even doing it seem really dumb and it's and it's and it just makes the whole episode feel crammed because they clearly decide they want to drop that but they had to carry it over from the previous episode uh from last season and and they have to establish ryan in the same episode as as the new batwoman and that's just so much work and they they try really hard to uh justify it i will say i credit where credit's due i think they do a good job of giving at least a big reason why ryan's new batwoman character uh is is so motivated against alice as alice is still the main villain of the show um and it's because alice's gang is responsible for the death of her mother gang gang um and that that at least works for me it it, i think that all flows together really well i i rather like the there is a good banter between them when she first sees alice again and she's batwoman in the in the second episode and uh alice makes a note like you're actually willing to kill me and Kate never was, and that's that's a big change for Alice. Um, another thing that really hindered them is that at the end of the first episode, sorry, the end of the first season, uh, uh, Alice killed her best friend Mouse um, because they had a whole disagreement about Mouse wanting her to kill, to, to just give up on this obsession with Kate and Alice uh, not agreeing with that. And, and now because they made that choice, uh, they have now shortchanged Alice for as far as like other people, other characters she can interact with easily around her. Um, that was kind of like a helpful counterpoint to her. Uh, and now she is absent that. And I think had they known they wouldn't get Ruby Rose back, they might not have made that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not bad. Um, oh my gosh, poor the poor girl's Batwoman voice though is so bad. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you that. Uh, they do, it's not her fault. It's not that she's doing something. It's an audio effect that they put on their voice in post. And they did it for Ruby Rose and it was fine. It's not fine for this girl. It sounds really bad. Um, I, I, I don't know what they're doing. It sounds like they're trying to basically do the same effect, but it doesn't land as well. I don't know why. I don't think it's the actor's fault. I think that Ruby Rose's voice just translated better into whatever post-modification they decide to make. But with this one, it sounds goofy uh, because their voices are just modulated differently and uh, and it's not working. Um, in my opinion, I don't think the Batwoman voice sounds good. It sounds kind of silly, kind of takes me out of it. Um, and again, like that's not the actor's fault. That's a post-production decision. I really want to stress that it's not her going in there going. It's, it's not. We're not there. Um, so, I, it's it's fascinating to see them trying to pick up the pieces, make this function when they they clearly got like capped off at the knees, and they're trying to find the their way. Um, I think that the girl on her own is the new girl is good. Um, I think she's got she's got the chops. It's just the the foundation around it is so being held together with like sticky tape and glue and just hoping the whole thing's not going to fall apart. And uh, it's hard to see it having. It's very hard to see the longevity of it, especially with them kind of dabbling with the idea that they could still find Kate someday. And I'm like, you can't because Ruby Rose isn't gonna 
be Kate again. So what are you going to do? Um, it's just very bizarre. Uh, so I just kind of wanted to express that. This is, I feel for them in the situation that they're trying to work through, especially amid a pandemic on top of all of that. But mm-hmm. um, they're, they're struggling and it's very obvious that they're struggling even, even when they're, they have good, good moments amongst it. Womp womp. That's too bad. Um, they do uh, credit where credits do again. This is a super big uh, spoiler for anybody who cares. Um, at the end of season one, uh, uh, her dad, who's the leader of the crows, is told by Alice uh, that because he knows Kate's missing and, and he's afraid that she's dead, but he's like, I'm not going to give up on her like I gave up on you because that was a mistake. And Alice says she's absolutely dead and Kate was Batwoman. And uh, the last time that they saw each other, he shot at her uh, after he betrayed her. He agreed with Batwoman he was going to help her with something. And then he betrayed her and shot her. Um, and that's the last time they interacted. And oh, she's no. like, now, now you have to live with the, with the knowledge that your daughter knew she hate, that you hated her when she died. And, uh, uh, and to credit to that actor... He does a fantastic job of uh, trying to go to the bat signal and waiting for her to show up, and she never shows up, and just openly like devastated, crying next to the bat signal when she doesn't come. Uh, and that was that was a pretty powerful scene. And I credit where credits do. That was really well done. Cool, I love it. That's it. Okay, uh, my turn. Um, I. Hopefully this goes better than last week's because uh, I found out later that my mic was not working during the section. Uh, cut out all that, ended up losing five minutes of our audio podcast. So our audio is actually five minutes uh, uh, shorter oh. than our video last week. So fun fact. Will you look at that? Um, <clears throat> I spent most of the uh, so you know for all you audio listeners, you missed me talking about Tangled. Whatever. Um, I. Mostly, didn't I didn't do a lot. So I, I listened to the Tangled soundtracks. Um, there's three soundtracks for season one, two, and three. Of course, the movie. Um, <clears throat> I think all those music, all those songs are awesome. Um, really enjoy all the soundtracks. Um, it makes me miss that show a lot. Today was Zara's birthday. Ooh, uh, happy birthday, Zara! Yeah, she. Uh, so we watched uh, Sixteen Candles. For her Ooh. Birthday. Because uh, she just turned 16. That's right. I'm a very problematic person. Oh, geez, Louise. <laughs> no, that's uh, the end of this podcast. <laughs> right. No, she she is not 16. I watched, we watched 16 Candles, one of her favorite movies. Uh, it's a John Hughes joint. I've never seen it before. Um, outside of the wild racism, um, that movie's really funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, very. Uh, horrible that there's a character named Long Duck Dong, yeah, who's yeah. Chinese. But hey, if you can get past the racism, it's pretty funny. Hey, a lot of great movies during that time were just just, just should have known better and didn't, unfortunately. Yeah, um, that is fine. It's a funny, funny movie. I watched the Truman Show. Excellent movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Carrey. That's on the the 100 movie posters list that we have. Um, I, I really enjoyed watching that again. It's interesting watching that during a pandemic because it feels kind of like like a prescient in a way. Hmm. Um, kind of like closed off and not being able to go anywhere. Good movie though. Excellent movie. Still holds up. And then the biggest thing 
Uh, actually, no, I'll say that last. I did a. Uh, I'm still working on my project conversation. For those of you listening or watching, that is still happening. I'm behind because I broke my back and then I got sick, so I'm a little bit behind. But I did finally talk to um, Ken Knapsack, uh, recorded an episode with him, which was excellent. A lot of fun to do. He's a great guy, um, and uh, I just booked a booked a really good guest, guys. I'm so excited. Heck yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you guys afterwards because I don't want to jinx it on the show. I, I know this one already, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. It's um, a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. I'm super stoked. So, conversation is coming. Uh, after Once I get to 10 uh, recorded, pre recorded interviews, I will start releasing the series. Um, so, I will stay kind of caught up on that one. So, uh, but the major thing is I watched His Dark Material season one on HBO Max. Ooh. Um, this Boy is dark. the. Yeah, well, yeah, it's actually a very dark show. Like, literally, you can't see shit. No, I'm kidding. Oh. Um, it's hey, don't joke. That's, don't joke. That's happened on HBO. That's true. Um, this is the this is the, the re-adaptation of uh, the Golden Compass uh, book. Um, the His Dark Materials is kind of like the, the bridge title. Um, Golden Compass was a movie uh, that Daniel Craig was in uh, many years ago, so this is, they did it again. His, his Dark Materials is the title of the series of books. Yes. Uh, it's it's like an inverse of what Game of Thrones did, Game of Thrones being the title of the first book when the series is Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I remember seeing that movie in theaters. And also, so the, fir- nope. the first uh, season is The Golden Compass again. Yeah. Um, I, uh, it's, so it's very good. It's better than the movie, um, which isn't hard. Um, and kind of from what I remember of people telling me how much the movie got wrong, I knew what was happening in the series, even though the series wouldn't tell us, uh, right away. So that was interesting, but it's also a very slow series. And I had a big problem with the pacing of the, of the first, of the first season. I heard from friends that it gets better paced in the second one, but the first one is very ill paced. There's some multiverse stuff that's kind of interesting, but we spend most of the time in like the real world when it comes to that. And it's very boring. I was more interested in what was happening with Daphne King and uh, Daphne Keen, who X23 for all you comic book fans, Um, what she was doing in her world. than I was with the other character of the show in his world. Um, There James McAvoy is excellent. Great cast. Um, the the effects in the show is are wild. There's there's a polar bear. Anybody who remembers the Golden Compass probably only remembers the polar bear, um, yeah. like me. <laughs> and the polar bear looks excellent in this show, and I, I was very impressed. Yeah, the um, polar bear was like the best part of that movie. It's the only thing of that movie I remember. I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, I also remember. Um, oh man, Western guy. Uh, oh, big mustache. Sam, uh, Sam, um, Sam Elliott. Yeah, Elliot. So his character is Lin Manuel, Lin Manuel Miranda in the show. Yeah, I caught, I caught that. I caught that. He's a lot of fun. I like him yeah. a lot in the role. Uh, um, Nicole Kidman was the villain in the movie, right? I don't yes. remember. Yes. Um, we're actually gonna watch the movie this week. To, to now that we've seen the season, we're gonna be like, ah, oh, screw it, let's watch the movie. That's a good that's a good punish people on downright annoyed choice yeah 
Um, yeah, so that was that was uh, highly recommend that. I'm excited to start the second season. Um, there's some great performances in it. Uh, the pacing is a problem, but you know if you can get over that, then uh, it's a great story. That's all I got. All right. Beautiful. Shall we go into? Oh no, I don't have it. All right. Good night, everybody. Oh no! Someone pull out their drive quickly because I screwed up. Wait, what, what was the thing you didn't have? I don't have the, the drive intro. up. Oh, I got it. Okay. Did the intro play? Yeah, yes. intro play. yeah. It did? Oh, I'm glitching like crazy. Someone do the something. Wow. Yo, what's up? Welcome to the Fake Nerd Podcast, Glitch Edition. Ba 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 um, I don't have the, the, the weekly news. What do you guys want to talk about? Let's make some shit I up. It. I got it. So we have some deaths. Sad, we have some sad news. Um, some deaths happened over this week. Um, first is Cy Spencer. He worked. He was 65 when he uh, passed away. Well, I believe it's it's Cy, right? It's spelled yes. S-I. Yes, it's Cy Spencer. Keep going. Cy Spencer, yeah. yeah. Uh, worked on uh, in Vertigo, 2000 AD, Doctor Who, and was a Torchwood writer. Unfortunately, I don't think I'm very familiar with the stuff, but of course, a lot of Doctor Who fans probably are. And the other death that I have written down here is Stan Lepard, who was the composer of Halo Reach, Halo 3 ODST, Destiny, Guild Wars 2, and many more video games. No cause of death or age was given when he passed away. I've been doing this for a year. You think I would have remembered this? It's okay. I do. It is a sheer miracle that I had it pulled up as a tab on my laptop right now. Um, yeah, that both those deaths are really sad. Um, I think I like both those people a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one that kind of hits a little hard is the Halo one because we all we've talked about Halo Three or Halo Reach and how just amazing one of the best Halo games ever made and the music. I mean, when you think of Halo, you think of the oh, the, the, that part, the opening, but. I do remember some of the music in Reach just hitting hard, like mm. ooh, like the despair setting in. So, yeah, it's it's uh, sad to see these people go. I played yeah. Guild Wars. That was good music. It's all yeah. That's a that's a shame. All he he's just as uh, when I heard about this, I thought it was the first Halo guy, Marty O'Donnell. But like this guy's just as influential. He did almost more. He did more games. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So going on to comic books, guys. We all love those, right? I, no, not really. No. Oh well. Well, shit. You're gonna hate this. My, ripping my tattoos. Brand, off. Brandon, do you want your job back? You want your job back, or do you want me to keep going? I'm really glitching right now. I apologize. Okay. 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 I keep going then, unless someone I, else wants. I'm to gonna. Go. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna bounce out and come back in. I'm sorry. There you go. Ben, okay. you go, and I'll pull. I'll pull it. I'll try to pull it up. But you start with it. All right. So batman 1989 is coming out from dc writer sam ham who wrote batman batman returns who was the batman and batman returns screenwriter with artist joe Kunos. it's a 12 inch issue digital series six issue physical and then a hardcover oh those rap bastards. joe keones keones thank you now yeah. i know how it feels when names pop up yeah they're hard yeah, so the first six digital chapters will drop on July 27th. It's continuing the story from Batman Returns. It's going to bring back Catwoman, introduce a new Robin, and bring back Billy D. Williams as Two-Face. It also looks to introduce a new Joker, Harvey Bullock, and the Dee Dees. This is the second time that the story ben, has been. Ben, Ben, Let him at least finish. Let him finish. Am I right. back? 
Are you back? Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, you're back. Okay. Um, Yeah, Ben, sorry, keep going. I just wanted to be sure I was back so I can jump in when you're done. All right, because I have the thing full pull up. I can't see you guys. I just only hear you. I have a different tab up. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Yeah, that's why when Brandon was probably doing this, because right now all I'm looking at is the drive. Um, so what you're about to read next is actually what I find really interesting about this is that this is the second time this book has been pitched. Mm-hmm. Um, I was Kate, Kate Leth with Joe Joe Kinwas um, had pitched this prior a couple of years ago when Batman sixty six was doing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, he. Uh, they had both kind of pitched this and had ideas of where to go with a, a continuation of the Batman 89 series, okay. the Tim Burton thing. So it's really interesting now that going into this year, they they were like, actually, this might work out. Uh, and they have the writer um, of the Batman and Batman Returns movies helping out. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I'm probably going to pick it up, but I'm still, but the thing that really pisses me off is that the cert, the only the first six um issues are going to be are going to come out and then it's going to be a hardcover in physical form so that way in order to wait to get the whole collection you have to wait to get the hardcover no 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 you you sorry uh then that was my bad because i wrote that wrong um the first the the first six issues digitally will release in one day uh in july i don't i don't have the date up on with with me will release and then weekly the last six issues will drop digitally then then the physical books will be published two at a time. So six digital, so six physical oh. issues will collect twelve digital issues. Oh, and okay. then the hardcover will come out with the whole thing. Okay. So you All can right. get the full thing physically and a hardcover or digitally. Um, there will be many ways to buy that full series. Because I remember seeing DC drop the images for this one in the next book we're going to talk about, um, and I thought, ooh, I want to pick those up because. I love both of those. I love both of those films because the next one is Superman 1978, written by Robert Bendini and drawn by Wilfredo Wilfredo? Fredo? Wilfredo. Wilfredo Torres. I, I thought I was like, does it rhyme with Alfredo? I'm scared. Yeah, the, the, it's gonna be the same thing. It's gonna be the same thing. Um one of the things I really like is dead franchises uh, being mm-hmm. revisited. I know, right? Um I I was talking, I think I tweeted this when I watched Godzilla. Um, which is the 1998 Godzilla. And I was like, it'd be really interesting to see what that world would look like, like in 2020, like revisiting that. We talk about like how Spider-Man 4 would look like, just do a Spider-Man 4 right now. Um, One of the things I really enjoy is revisiting dead franchises in in any medium that you want. Like when we saw Crisis on Infinite Earths, um, Mm -hmm. uh, Brandon Routh came back. We revisited that world, the Superman Returns world. Um. So I'll be honest, of all the worlds to, to have a dead franchise to return to, 98 Godzilla is not one I'd want to return to. No, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it is. Just in general, I like the idea of returning to dead franchises. Oh, yeah, I do too. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, so Batman 1998, uh, uh 1988, 89, 1989, and Superman 1979, 78, um, are, um, are two franchises that are dead that I, I think it would be really fun to return to. Until the Flash comes out. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, you want to drop back or you want me to keep going? Um, well, is there anything else we want to talk about with, with this? I, I just think this is a super exciting news news item that, that this I was is really gonna, cool. I was going to talk about, I was going to pull up the quote that you put on the rundown for the Superman 78, which I actually kind of dig. 
Sure, yes. read that. Yeah, read that. My my uh, thing's almost done booting up. All right. It's this series is set fairly early in the Man of Steel's costume career before Lois Lane uncovers Clark's secret. Superman 78 explores how the citizens of Metropolis come to grips with the discovery that a man can fly. It's unknown whether the series will introduce new takes on familiar Superman villains. I kind of hope it does. Well, so unlike, so I think what's important there is unlike uh, Batman 89, uh, which is a sequel to Batman Returns, which is yeah. bringing back all the things from Batman Returns. Um, this is set between Superman one and two. Mm, okay, yeah. actually, I okay, I think that's pretty cool because Superman, Superman did come out in nineteen seventy eight, right? Or am I? Yeah, yeah. I just looked it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Superman one and two, those films are and there are there are literally a billion villains they can choose from and it's not like they're going to continue this universe forever they can pick any villain and make them small yeah. for and also for they could do what um batman 66 did with two-face because he was because yeah. he was never in the show and then they brought what they did do an animated film right brandon they, yeah they did the animated okay. film with Two-Face, right? yes there's an animated film that is loosely based off of a script done by by warren ellis mm. um who uh who had pitched a a a story uh, for that series that was deemed too dark and was going to start Clint Eastwood as uh, as uh, as Two-Face. Um, but more specifically, what you're actually referring to is not Two-Face. Um, Batman 66 introduced Lord Deathman, who was not in the series, and Clayface, who was also not in that series. Um, Bane! And, and Bane. And so they included the the old, like Batman villains that showed up after that series in mm-hmm. in the style of that series and repurpose them and I, I i just think that's a really cool concept i really like batman 66 and doing something like this just makes sense like the first one of the first superman villains that comes to mind when you think of like redesign for the 70s i kind of dig uh metallo yeah. sure metallo. metallo would be cool or maybe like um or maybe even brainiac because you know back in the 70s when they had computers they had large room size computers maybe instead of the eniac they call it the brainiac i doubt they're gonna make they're gonna do brainiac uh, as the main villain for your superman comic that's between one and two brainiac is such a bigger threat i doubt yeah well it happened in superman three four 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 quest for peace that was nuclear man okay so then three so then three Three was Brainiac. Brainiac's not in any of those movies. They're not. They don't call him Brainiac, but it's a supercomputer wow. that they. It's uh, it's Brainiac. Okay. Oh gosh. Gotcha. Okay. I haven't seen um, that movie since I was like ten. So I don't it's know. it's terrible. I don't blame you. Yeah. Uh, Sparks, you've been silent. What, what do you think about these? I don't. I don't have a lot to add. Like uh, you know, if if I hear they're good, then I'll probably read them. But I don't. I don't generally have a lot of faith in these kind of projects. Sure. Um, I I have way more faith in the Batman one. Um, uh, one because Joe Kionis is an excellent, excellent artist. Has such a a very like unique aesthetic that works so well for Batman. That dude has been drawing Batman eighty nine ever since I followed him on Twitter. Like he does that dude all the time, so it's perfect. He's a perfect uh, choice for it. Um, I'm not super. I'm not as familiar with the choice for Superman. Um, also like no, Robert Dendetti's he he's fine. He's good. Um. I think it's I think it's cooler that we're getting the original scriptwriter for the movie. I think that's cool. I I think it's definitely cooler. Um, but after uh, Robert Benditti's excellent Hawkman series, I'm yeah. more excited for this. Absolutely, this. like yeah. Uh, I've just I've read multiple fine comics. I haven't read his one great one. Yeah. No, yeah. I, to- I totally I totally get. That. I'm not defending it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Can I have my job back? Oh, you got your job back. Yes. Yes. Take your job back. All right. I could, feel, uh, I could feel myself being judged every time I read something. Oh, no. Okay. 
Um, you, 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 you stepped up at a pinch. That's what that's what we need. Um, the qualities we're looking for in a young man. I think you for calling me young. That feels good. <laughs> so DC, um, much like a lot of a lot of things uh, this week, Comics Pro happened, which is a retailer summit for comic books. Um, this, is, this is where a bunch of comic book companies announce other things. And there's another announcement in this list that we'll get to. But DC had um, vague announcements to upcoming books um, that have not been announced. And even we don't know what they are specifically. But I think the list is actually interesting to read out. So they're coming out with Deathstroke Inc. All right. Um, the, interestingly, a Harley Quinn animated series sequel. I don't know what that means, considering season three is coming out for Harley Quinn the animated series. This is a comic. A comic. Hmm. Could be a tie-in thing. Yeah. Um, specifically, they used the word sequel, which meant like after. Weird. I don't know. Um, a Wonder Woman 80th anniversary title, untitled. Don't know what that is yet. Uh, an Elseworlds title, going back to Elseworlds, which is interesting. Um, that's great. Oh, you're glitching again. Yeah. Your your audio is going in and out. I don't know why I bother. <laughs> I'm it's, not, glad it's, I... not, it's not your fault. It's not your it's fault. Not, it's not your fault. It's not you your fault. Been? Yeah, where he was at the Wonder Woman 80th anniversary title, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have an Elseworld title that's spinning out of uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal. Okay. We also have a DC Vampires title. Hey, you guys remember uh, I Vampire? I yeah, I'm like I love that book. I bought every issue. I only remember the. I don't, Were you about to talk shit on it, Ben? No, I only remember. I only remember seeing it on the shelves. I thought, huh, DC has vampires. That's interesting. And I hey, they've, I had, had, they've had vampires uh, almost as long as Marvel's had vampires. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, Robin and Batman, not Batman and Robin. So they're switching the names around. Uh, Joker puzzle box, The Legend of Batman, Crush and Lobo, Ruby, the Amazons. DC Middle Ages. So it looks like there's only one, two, three Batman books. So we're only at 20 Batman books now. Thank God. Uh, crap baskets we are. Um I I I I put a I put the am I good? Yeah, yeah. you're good. Okay. I put the thing remember I vampire because I thought that was cool that that they're bringing back the vampires of the DC universe. And I knew that Ryan and I read that title and liked it. So that book's dope as hell. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, yeah, the Joker Puzzle Box is a black label series. Okay, um, that, was, that was important. And then DC Middle Ages doesn't mean like the Middle Ages. It was it's a Middle Age book. So, oh, oh, with like the act the characters in the middle in like as middle aged. No, no, it's it for like the like the middle school aged uh, book re- book readers. Oh, okay, because when I read the Middle Ages, I thought, ooh, we going like castles and shit. That'd be cool. <laughs> Of course you did, Ben. Well, Everybody ben, knows that's where you went. Ben, there's literally a book right now where the Justice League are Vikings. We, why, what are you talking about? You can be reading that book. That is, that is true. How is that, Ryan? Thank you for reading I'm that. Not, I, I'm not reading it. I dropped it after she won. That should tell you everything you, you need to know about that event. No, because I'm saying, like, I'm just saying, I gave it a shot. You, you can still read that book. Um. Okay. Uh. So yeah, that's. Cool DC stuff coming out of Comics Pro. We'll we'll, we'll learn more. I'll so. wait to hear more about creative themes and stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, I think the only one I'm interested. None of them. I'm actually interested in none of them. I know. Um, um 
crush and lobo is is kind of like a fan favorite thing like that's like that's like a not a ship but like a friendship pairing that like people really seem to like so the fact that they're pushing through with like their own miniseries or, or ongoing whatever uh it's kind of cool because like those that's like a relatively uh crush is lobo's daughter uh and people really seem to like that character um so if if uh depending who's writing the harley quinn animated series thing i could care or i could not it depends who's on it if it's like the if it's the people from the tv show absolutely right um okay star wars is going to have a new event um coming soon the star wars comic books not the series um oh look at that star wars stuff uh, this is this is star wars war of the bounty hunters uh it's gonna be a boba fett centered arc probably because of his turn in the mandalorian coincidental nope I wonder why. Uh, it's going to start. It's going to start with Star Wars: War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha Number One. It's going to be a one shot written by Charles Soule, uh, with art by Steve McNiven. Ooh yeah. Uh, then we'll be followed by a five issue miniseries called War of the Bounty Hunters, um, written by Charles Soule with art by Luke Ross. Ooh yeah. And then the series will also cross over with the four Star Wars titles set during Empire, between Empire and Return. Um, Star Wars, Star Wars Darth Vader, Star Wars Bounty Hunters, and Star Wars Dr. Aphra. Hmm. Makes sense. Um, basically, the story, I'm not going to read the whole thing, just in case my mic decides to shit out. Um, it's basically explaining what took them so long to get Han Solo's body, going to explain why Boba Fett didn't just immediately go to Jabba's palace, and about how uh, uh, Boba Fett is the most haunted man in the galaxy because he has Han Solo's body. Okay, I will give this. A f- I've I've not for any lack of quality. Just there's so many books out. Uh, I I dropped the Star Wars books. Um, but I'll probably pick up at least number one to see how it is. Um, sure. Charles Soule has like man, he has like the reign on Star Wars right now. He's writing the novels. He's writing the comics. Like this guy's on top of it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good Star Wars literary content going on. Um, speaking of the comics, I'm still picking up the comics. The only two Star Wars books I st- I'm still picking up on the regular are the the mainline Star Wars title and Darth Vader. Oh, right. I picked up the High Republic one and two. I just haven't read them yet. I'm gonna read them. But you're not. But you're not reading Doctor Aphra, and you're not reading Bounty Hunters. No. Right. Um, and you're not reading the High Republic. I totally forgot to pick those up. I should have done that. That's okay. Hey, man. We can't all pick up everything. It happens. I'll drop High Republic. Um, I because if I. I want to pick up. I thought about picking up. Actually, no. Maybe he did give me High Republic. I just haven't read it yet. Well, you can figure that out on your own time. I'll figure that out on my own. Um, yeah. So this is actually uh, interesting to me because the original uh, Star Wars comics that set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi back when the Marvel years did a similar story where every week they'd be like, oh, they just they just barely missed Boba Fett. Oops, they can't find out where Boba Fett went. So, yeah. Oh, shoot. Because they couldn't, they couldn't answer the question of what happened to Han Solo because the movie hadn't come out yet. Yeah, yeah. Right. I honestly, I hadn't thought about until this moment that they're still going with that Star Wars title and Han Solo can't be a character in it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't really think about the fact that like he hasn't shown up yet, and I'm like, oh yeah, oh weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ryan, I'm sure you're interested in this character. Reptile is making his. Return to the Marvel Universe. Um, do you know this character oh. from Avengers Academy? 
Um. Oh, is this the kid who who looks like a scaly boy? I don't remember. Turns into a dinosaur. Turns into multiple dinosaurs. Okay. Um. Um. uh, Keep going. Let me refresh. Hold on. All right. So uh, Terry Blast uh, will be writing, and he's an up and comer uh, with art by Enid Balam. Balam. Not the worst name we're going to read tonight. Um. Uh, so in the wake of Kamala's law and his grandfather's worsening health, Humberto Lopez, a.k.a. Reptile, has taken a step back from crime fighting to refocus on his family. Um, perhaps it's a sign that he should give up on becoming a hero and finally come to terms with his parents' mysterious disappearance, or perhaps not. Uh, basically a story about this character uh, from Avengers Academy, um, the sequel title, the one that was like Battle Royale. Forgot what uh, that was called. He, he, he also came before that. He was in the original original run. No, I know, but um, the he the, his last scene in that battle royale. Oh, as... Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he, that's his last yeah. appearance. Yeah, um, yeah, he's like a a fairly like I forgot I forgot about him. Yeah, he's a dude. He has like he regularly says dinosaur arms. Um, that's cool. Like I guess like that's that's interesting that this character specifically is getting a weird ongoing miniseries thing. That makes me think he's gonna show up somewhere eventually. It's. It goes back to what we talked about, how Marvel is always willing to give these characters, ancillary characters, ongoing miniseries, just try them out. Oh, yeah. by their line, and DC is not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Wait, hold on. Look, of... at Look at that panel. Come on, guys. <laughs> uh, speaking of Marvel diversifying their line, Shang-Chi is getting a, his first ongoing series since the 80s. Yeah, baby. Over Since over, like, I think it's like 29 years, 30 years almost, yeah. Yeah, he's had plenty of minis, uh, but not an ongoing. So two uh, this year, actually, two minis this year. Yeah, sorry, twenty twenty. Uh, Forgetting what time it is. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, Gene, this is twenty twenty, like plus. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, Gene Luen Yang um, has who has been writing the Shang Chi minis uh, will now transition into an ongoing, uh, following that Ooh. title, uh, with Dick Ruan. Um, it's basically Shang Chi versus the Marvel Universe. Heck yeah! This is very interesting because um, Shang Chi's a real nice dude. So I'm wondering why he's going to fight some good boys. Um, I'm sure there's a good reason. Ji Yang's a great writer. We'll see. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll be ongoing for so long. Yes, absolutely. I'm stoked. Just before his movie. Mm-hmm. Coincidence? No. <laughs> <laughs> the Immortal Hulk is getting a new tie-in. We've had a bunch of tie-ins from the series. Now we're getting The Immortal Hulk, Time of Monsters by Al Ewing, Alex Pachnadel, David Vaughn, with art by Juan Fiera and more. Uh, so it's multi-art artist people. I want to introduce the very first Hulk from 10,000 years ago, the one who opened the green door. Alex Pacnadel is a fantastic writer. He wrote um he wrote one of the great tie-ins from Empire. Uh he's also a writer of like Giga and some other things. Um I think he's a great, great, great up and comer. Uh I'm by this book. It's an Immortal Hulk book. Whoop, whoop, whoop. I bought every Immortal Hulk tie-in. They've all been great. So totally. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. I need to get more Immortal Hulk trades. I only have do I only have two? Yeah, I have two. Need to get the oh. third. Get more. I, I um, want more. So this is the other Comics Pro news that I alluded to up top. Spawn is getting a major expansion uh, this year. 
Todd McFarlane's Spawn has been going for over 300 issues, all written by him. That's a, uh, that's impressive, man. That is yeah, impressive. he's he is he is like firm on like has a firm grip on Spawn. It's his baby. Yeah. Um, but he's going to try an experiment. Can you launch a shared superhero comic book universe in 2021? Um, mm-hmm. So do, basically doing what Marvel and DC did in the 60s and, and 30s. Um, Spawn will start with a with a one shot called Spawn's Universe. It's going to be the first Spawn number one in uh, decades. I want man. I, I I've been Jesus. I've been going to the comic store so long now. I remember when Spawn 200 came out, and I like I think I bought it because it was like a big deal. And I think like Spawn 300 recently came out. I'm like yeah, it's 300. Yeah. Spawn oh 309. <laughs> um. After Spawn's universe, Spawn will obviously continue and will not be renumbered. Um, it will continue its numbering. But three new ongoing uh, spinoffs will come from it uh, based on the Scorched, uh, the Gunslinger Spawn, and King Spawn, which will be the second title that the main Spawn it will be in. Cool. Uh, um, I, 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 was, I was in Spawn a little bit. I have a bunch of action figures upstairs that I used to collect because... Uh, there was a big sale and I think spawn figures are real cool. And there's like a whole like alternate universe thing of like, or not alternate universe thing of just like people who are like, yeah, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the King spawn or I'm the Western spawn. It's like, I'm the Viking spawn. Um, I'm kind of ghost, ghost rider. How they have a yeah. long history. hundred percent. Just like that. Yeah. Like there's a bunch of different spawns. Um, uh, I, they have some really good writers on some of these. So like, I'm, I'm, I'm I might check out at least one or two of them. Cause like, I'm always open to the idea. Yeah, I'm I'm also open to this. I've always kind of been interested in Spawn a little bit, but it's a, such a daunting task to read it all. Yeah. Um, but Donny Cates is one of the writers on one of these yeah. new series, so I'm uh, into that. Alice Cott, who is a who is a guy who is like a very like like artsy kind of like artsy fartsy writer that like like he's doing one, and Frank Quietly's doing one. So I'm like, they're getting like heavy hitting people. So I'm like, this seems like a like this seems like one initiative that like would have happened a long time ago, like when Spawn was in its heyday. So it's, it's cool that's that they're trying it now while people are into it. Um, yeah. That Spawn movie is also still coming out sometime soon. So like, you know, makes sense. Yeah. I, uh, um, no creative. We don't know who's writing what, uh, yeah. which is a, he's keeping that mum. Uh, but yeah, good teams. I might actually pick this up. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on to time. Before Time, which is a new comic book coming from De- Declan Shalvey and Rory uh, McConville. Uh, they are the uh, um, writers. And then Joe Palmer will be the artist. That's awesome. Declan Shalvey is is, a, is an artist. He 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 did uh, one of the most recent Immortal Hulk tie-ins, and he was the artist on Moon Knight with Warren Ellis. Like, he's an extraordinary artist, and he's slowly, much like a Chip Zdarsky, starting to write more. So it's cool that that flexing those muscles, man. Yeah, I'm gonna try to read this. Feel free to interrupt me if my mic craps out, um, because I think this sounds really cool. Um, time before time is set in a world where a criminal organization known only as the Syndicate rules a very special kind of underground market. Their agents can use time travel to smuggle people back in time to start a new life. The series follows two of these agents, Tatsuo and Oscar as they attempt to break free and steal their boss's time machine for themselves. Naturally, that plan is easier said than done. That does sound awesome. That does sound pretty good. Yeah, It's like, uh, 
It's like um like 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 a uh, person rescue looper. Like I'm yeah. into it. They yeah. described it like a cross between Looper and Saga. Oh, dear. yeah, that sounds dope. Yeah. If it's going to be anything like Saga, this is going to be sad. Alien sex. Characters are going to die. Yeah. And they it's talk about No, I just thought you're probably going to get that one dude who's like, man, I would have done so much better back in like the Middle Ages. And then they realize like I made a horrible mistake. Oh, um, you, no way. Yeah, you, you have a. Uh, apparently like things are going to have like alternate timelines because they'll change the past and the future will be different so butterfly effect that'd be cool um the good asian oh i'm sorry the good asian is a new comic book that sounds really cool but i'm really sorry i have to pronounce the creative team porn sack okay i'm sorry no yeah yeah i'm looking at it up too with art by Alexand- Alexandra Tefanecki. No, yeah, you did. Your, you absolutely did your best. Absolutely. I did my best. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. You did. Um, this follows a hard-boiled Chinese-American detective named Edison Hark as he hunts for a serial killer in 1936 Chinatown. With systemic racism running rampant, Hark and the characters face the harsh realities living under the Chinese Exclusion Act the first immigration ban in American history. Dang. Ooh. Yeah. That sounds, that, sounds, that sounds deep and good. All right. There's there's a lot of good stuff to explore around that act. For yeah. sure. When, when is it coming out? When is this? May. Oh. Everything May. All these Everything are May. May. Okay. I'm, gonna gonna, I'm definitely going to have to pick that book up. That's yeah, now. I think that sounds really cool. Yeah, that's might be a future book club once it's all done. And then Eve, coming from Boom Studios... Uh, by Victor Lavelle and Joe Mi-Gyong. Sorry. Nope, um, got it. When the ice caps melted, most of humanity was lost to the hidden disease that was released. Now a mysterious girl named Eve has awoken in secret and must deal with a world that's nothing like the virtual reality she was raised in. In order to save her father, Eve must embark on a deadly quest across the country but she has no idea of the threats that await her or the price she will pay to restore life to a dying planet. Yo, man, I'm, I'm stoked to read anything done by Victor Lavelle right now. So after we did destroyer. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'm into that. Yeah. That sounds cool. Um, Okay. Comic book property news. There's nothing more to add about the comic books. Uh, Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. Danny Elfman has let it slip that he is composing the score. Okay. Listen. Wait. Didn't he? Yeah, he worked with Sam Raimi on Spider-Man, didn't he? Yes. You bet your sweet ass he did. <laughs> All right. I'm down for it. Arguably, Sam Raimi brought the best out of Danny Elfman at that time. We are, we are, man, Danny Elfman is just a guy who brings all franchises together. He did Justice League where he brought the, 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 the 89 Batman theme, the Superman theme, the Justice League theme. He's going to do that again. Both Maybe Superman we're... themes. Both Superman themes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, he did, and he did Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah, he did. Yeah, you're as, right. I forget. As, as someone who has more than once thought that Doctor Strange's score might be even better than the movie itself, uh, I'm really glad that it's going to be Danny Elfman who will take the themes from Doctor Strange and work around them rather than just throw them away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, oh man, that's going to be a, that's going to sound good. 
yeah. you know the best thing I remember watching when uh, I want to say the Spider-Man 2 where we get the Danny Elfman Spider-Man theme, but also you get all the Alex Ross paintings of what happened in the previous movie. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. that so good. That, that, yeah. What, that, dude, no, we're probably not going to get something like that. Like, how cool would it be if we here's, get like a, Here's the question. When Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man shows up, do we get do we get the uh, the the first movie's theme, which is Howard, right? James Newton Howard. James, James Newton Howard, yes. Yeah. Or do we get the uh, Hans Zimmer theme from the second I one? Because they're different. I couldn't tell you either of them, so who who knows? You know what? I hope it's the first one because I think that score is dope. The correct answer, because of Sandy Elfman, is both <laughs> plus a new one. <laughs> All right. Um, Marvel Studios has announced a new TV show. Not the one you're thinking of, though. Marvel Studios Assembled will be a new show exclusive to Disney Plus that will go behind the scenes of the shows and movies of the MCU following the filmmakers, cast and crew and Marvel heroes every step of the way. More it's like the Mandalorian one, right? Like that. Yeah, like the Disney Gallery, the Mandalorian. Dope. I'm into it. Give me Wandavision, baby. Yeah, yeah. the making of Wandavision will be the first episode that airs on March 12th. I would oh, love to watch that behind the scenes for Wandavision. Um, obviously, Black Widow will get one. Shang Chi, all the shows. So every Marvel property that comes out will have an assembled episode about behind the scenes. Cool. Okay. The Flash cast a new character. The movie, not the show. Yeah, the movie also gearing up to film. Did you see that? I sure did. Wow. I the Lord. Um, Sasha Calais. Right, I hope. Sure. All right. Has been cast as Supergirl, the Flash TV series. This is super yeah, movie. This is awesome. This is super cool. That one. Um, that they believe in the character enough to 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 recast it so soon after the TV show happened because like again it's a multiverse who cares right you can have multiple character uh, and the casting of of a Latino girl like who who cares that she's white get over that nonsense like I'm just excited we're getting more Supergirl and what does that even mean for Superman like that's that's silly that's crazy well, what, well what's interesting is that this isn't a Flash movie yeah this Flash movie is wild um, I don't even know if Flash is in it anymore. <laughs> I, I was I was talking to Megan about it and I'm like I'm I'm real pumped about this casting. I think this is really cool. I watched the yeah. video where he told her. I thought it was real sweet. I'm Beautiful. really excited about it. Uh I still just wish that I got a flash movie before I got Flash slash Justice League. Oh, yeah. a flashpoint movie. Uh the like Batman I just flash movie. I still I still sit there, even though I kind of understand that at this point you need this because you need to kind of clear the air of what the heck you're doing with the DCEU now that you're moving on from Snyder. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I watched the video also. I'm super excited for this. Like uh, Watching that video was so sweet. Good for her. Good yeah. for her. Sadly, I haven't seen the video. I'm happy for her, but I still don't believe the Flash movie is happening until I see a trailer for it. So then <laughs> DC, DC put out the video for it, so they put the John Williams Superman theme under oh. the reveal when she gets it. It was very sweet. Oh, yeah, she's really, crying. And... It's really cute because the act, the the director says, um, "Can you fly?" And she's like, "I don't know what you're talking about. Of course I can't fly." And he's like, "Well, you can in this." And he pulls out the super. I think it's the Superman suit and says, "You're going to be wearing. Uh, you're going to be Supergirl." Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, super cool. Now, the, the, this is just a fly, fly like a, a dart in the wall question. Is this is this Cavill's Supergirl or is this a multiverse Supergirl? I think Cavill's Supergirl. I don't think Cavill's Supergirl. Here's what I'll say. I think it's the Supergirl who we're going to have going forward. Yes. Of our main universe. But I don't know if that means I don't know if that means it's Henry Cavill's Supergirl because I don't know what the heck they're thinking to do with Henry Cavill's Superman right that's now. My, that's but I do think that this is the Supergirl we're going to consider Supergirl for the movies past this point. Yeah, yeah. and okay. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, speaking of the multiverse, we're getting a new Constantine. Um, no. I mean, that, I'm, I'm I love like you're more you've watched more of Matt Ryan than I have sparks but like that dude rules as constantine but like it's 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 hard to like i'm all like you want to give it to a person of color i'm not against it i just matt ryan's so good (laughs) yeah it's just like in my opinion like i feel like he's done so much for constantine right now to make him a known uh entity to through television and through the animated films that he's brought that character to life in such a way where i'm like i i feel like he deserves this personally i understand maybe they don't want to deal with like having to talk about continuity or is he the same continuity as blah but man he's earned to be constantine whenever he wants to be constantine like at this point in my opinion he should always be asked first (laughs) um i guess you you don't you don't get like that pinpoint kind of casting often and when you do you kind of want to you want to hold on to it and get everything out of it possible I, I get from like the movie people's perspectives or like, you know, like the people that that aren't on like the CW TV side, they're like, it's a multiverse. It's a lot easier to just recast. Like I, I, I get it. It's just like, he's so good. In, in the, in the pop, in the pop culture zeitgeist, uh, he is not as influential as Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, but he is as pitch perfect. Um, and yeah. that's, and that's why I'm like, man, it should be just as hard to have a conversation about not ca- not having him appear as Constantine as it is to think of having someone else play Tony Stark. Right. So the 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 basically what we're talking about is that HBO Max is an early development of a Justice League Dark prequel series, supposedly uh, starring Constantine, and the, they're looking to cast a younger uh, person of color uh, to play the role. I'm into it, man. I think uh, I will be- say. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, I I will say like if you are not casting Matt Ryan, you better be giving it to a person of color. It better not be some other white dude. Like if it's a white dude, it should be Matt Ryan. But if you're really gonna change it up, then then I at least I I'm open to that. I think. Uh, and since it's on HBO Max, like again, like not everything uh has to be like super mature rated R. But like Constantine, like his roots are a little bit more more grungy. Um, so it would be cool if he could return to that little more mature side of the the DC universe. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah really really like that show his yeah. show, really great uh he's he's flourished honestly on legends uh he's really come into his own on on operating that character i think also between when we watch the animated films getting to hear his vocal performance how much that evolved over time mm-hmm. um from that first one he appeared into the later ones like he really solidified himself as constantine and it's like man you, it, it, he's the dude like he's the dude <laughs> so um okay um star girl had a casting announcement uh season two of star girl is ramping up and john wesley ship will be reprising his role as jay garrick the earth two uh justice society flash for star girl that's cool is it i don't know I 
I don't I don't understand how in the continuity of CW shit, but like it's cool. <laughs> well, they they talked about it in the in the piece that um, he was Earth three originally, right? Yeah, I think he no? was Earth three. No, because Jesse Quick is Earth two, and he was Earth three because um, he was also. I remember when they go to the Earth three trickster scene, and uh, it's Mark Hamill. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're uh, right. Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, but hey, crisis crisis happened, so he could have so the crisis could have rewritten his history to be Earth Two's Justice Society. Flash. I want to bring up something I forgot when we were talking about the the Batman eighty nine Superman seventy eight comic. They've already put out a Wonder Woman one of those comics. They're absolutely in the future and the future going to make a Justice League like nineteen ninety two or something, and the Flash will be part of that from the nineties, and it'll be the it'll be all of them on a Justice League. I, How dope would that be? I'd read the like, shit out of that. Older Superman. Uh... Oh, that'd be no, bad. no, no! Not even older Superman because Wonder Woman seventy seven and Batman sixty six act like they're the same year. Like it's yeah. just those interpretations of those characters. Okay, so yeah. you would essentially have the eighty nine Michael Keaton meet the seventy eight Christopher Reeve meeting the seventy seven um, Linda Carter. And Superman and Wonder Woman really don't age like a decade to meet Batman. It wouldn't their their ages wouldn't be that bad. Anyway, sorry about the stuff. Um. Uh. Yeah. I. I. What are we talking about? Stargirl. Stargirl. Yeah. Uh, more more than anything, like it's just uh I, I hope that they they make it clear that he's not he isn't the same flash at all. Yeah. Um that flash that flash ran his whole timeline and he died saving the multiverse. So that was the whole point of Crisis was him dying. Wait, yeah, um, a fun multiverse thing to have him just be on the show. Wait, I thought the Barry Allen of the '90s died in Crisis. Yeah, Barry Allen of the '90s died. Barry Allen of the didn't 90s. J- didn't Jake Garrick get lose his powers? Oh man, I forgot. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Because yeah, he's all, because he plays right. Barry Allen in the '90s. That's man, right. That's he right. just That's appears funny. as too many freaking people. That's <laughs> oh, don't do this. Don't. <laughs> he he's Henry Allen, Jake Garrick, and Barry Allen. And now he's now going to be this guy too now. Oh, boy. Now he's another Jay Garrick. So many flashes. Right, whatever. Man. Um, I mean, whatever. The act, It's cool that they're still using the actor for stuff. That's yeah. Neat. Yeah. I'm happy he's still I mean, like, like, what do you, like, for me, I, I, I kind of looked at this. I was like, oh, of course, because you're doing the Justice Society as these Golden Age heroes. Like, Jay Garrick. Hey, you got a Jay Garrick in the, in the Arrowverse, in the CWverse. You do? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Marwan Kinzari has joined the cast of Black Adam. I forgot to put where he was from, but we know who this person is. Don't you it's mean, Aladdin. He's from Aladdin. He's Jafar. Don't you mean Shazadam. No, nobody ever means that. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The, the, the guy from Aladdin, right? That's what we're talking about again? Yeah, Jafar. Jafar. Got it. Jafar. Oh, oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I really liked him in The Old Guard, so. Yeah. I just yeah. really hated him in Aladdin, so I don't know. Cool. Yeah. I'm I'm sure. Look, no, there were like performance choices that were just bad in Aladdin. I don't think they were script choices, but it's fine. I'm sure he'll be better here when he's not trying to match the performance of someone that like was pitch perfect iconic. So uh, we don't know who he's going to be. I imagine someone in the JSA, but we'll see. Yeah, just. Um, and then Department of Truth, James Tinian's James Tinian the Fourth's creator-owned series, uh, has been picked up for a TV series that he will co-write, but they have not found a writer for uh, with him. 
this is incredible. That book is only like on issue six, uh, uh, but that book is so good. It's so crazy. Um, it's about like what if conspiracy theories, like if enough people believed in them, became they became real, and it's the department that deals with them. It's very very control esque. That's why I think I love it so much. Um, it's like very Lynchian and very very weird. It's so crazy that it's this fast in development, but luckily, Tinian uh, uh, Tynan, I'm, the, the, that the writer is. Um, co-writing it so like he's fully involved so like i believe in that project um that's exciting this is a nuts a nuts thing man like the comic is super weird uh so i'm very excited you guys should really check that book out yeah i want to um but yeah that's super cool and he gets to write it uh his own co-creation all right um cartoon network had a whole thing that was like redraw your world or something like that um and from it four new shows were uh announced and and first looked at so teen titans go uh is getting a spinoff um which is actually a kind of pseudo sequel to to two uh to two arcs they've done in the show uh called teen titans go the night begins to shine um will be a x an hbo max spinoff um that sets them in the world of the night begins to shine. It's a whole parallel world of like eighties hair rock rock band. Uh, mm-hmm. So you've seen the variant versions of them, I'm sure, where they look like rockers from the eighties. Um, and it's it's a it's all set in there, and the Teen Titans have to save the magical mixtape. Uh, uh, frankly, frankly, two of the best episodes of Teen Titans Go they've ever made are those those two episodes. So yeah. So that's cool. Um, Sparks, I know you're excited about this. Oh, I didn't put Infinity Train. You texted me specifically, but Infinity Train's gotten to season four. <laughs> yeah, Infinity Train's doing great over on HBO Max, guys. And so they, they've done well enough that they're getting a season four. Um, go check that show out. It's great. Um, but this one was, uh, was talking about Amazing World of Gumball is getting a movie. Hell yeah, it is. Well deserved. Well deserved. I'm glad that they're getting to come back and do more Gumball. Um, it's not that the show ended on a bad note. It just ended in kind of a weird way. Um and what I mean by it is it almost felt unceremonious in, in a lot of ways. Uh, the last episode of the show is just kind of, that's the end. And you're like, whoa, okay. Hmm. Wow. Um, so I'm happy to go back. Uh, yeah. Gumball, Gumball's an excellent show. Oh, Gumball, to, to, to continue to sing the praises of the Amazing World of Gumball, it is definitely one of the shows that if you used to be a an old Cartoon Network purist, blah. Like, unfortunately, I kind of was, and you see Gumball, he's like, what is this? But after you watch it, it is amazing. No pun Gumball, Gumball is children's cartoon Deadpool. Yeah. I both mean literally that the character is the children's cartoon equivalent of Deadpool, and I also mean that the show's satire on children's cartoons is Deadpool-styled. 100% accurate. I became a convert to shows like Regular Show and Gum- Amazing World Gumball, and these are amazing. And I'm glad that Gumball is getting this movie. Now I just need to finish watching the whole series. Yeah. Do you guys remember Total Drama Island? I remember yep. of it, never watched it. I show ruled. Do you know it came from Canada? I did not. I think it I does. Did. But that I think I did. You know pay that. attention, there's actually a whole lot of Canada cultural references. So HBO Max is reviving Total Drama Island. For two new seasons. That's cool. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, to... I have no idea what that is. It's um so it's a survivor-esque show, 
but animated. Um, and they have like they have to go on like this island and they have to do like survivor s things. It's all comedy. And involving kids, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the quality of it was unexpectedly good, and I'm like, wow, how are how this was kind of around the time where we were heading into the Adventure Time regular show era, and Total Drama Island was airing on Cartoon Network, and I'm like, wow. How did cartoon writing get so good? And then I found out that Total Drama Island was actually Canadian. And I'm like, oh, well, hey. that one makes sense now. Because <laughs> it is a very different tone yeah. from uh, American television. When you start watching it, you're like, this is just different. Yeah. Um, but it will apparently feature an updated cast of quirky, iconic teen contestants as they face hardcore uh, hardcore contests. Uh, as they face hardcore uh, competition brutal eliminations, and more drama than ever before. I couldn't say a word for a second. All right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. I like that. I like the main character of that one, the guy who liked the host. Uh, he's obviously coming back with his sidekick. So, cool. And then we got a brief look of Aquaman King of Atlantis. No footage, just a brief what the show <laughs> looks like. I was a little bummed. I'm not going to lie. Really? More than anything, because when we were speculating about this James Wan animated show, we were all pretty convinced that it was like tied to the films. It was kind of going to continue the spirit of the films because it was James Wan doing it. And I don't, I now no longer believe that's the case. Sure. Um, I'm not, I'm not anti the style. I am a little thrown off by the style. Sure. Sure. It does look like a cartoon Jason Momoa though. Yeah. Oh, I think, wow. I, I'm into it. I'm very into it. Like it's it's like I I also thought maybe it was gonna be like more tied to the movie, but the fact that it's just like a like a crazy like a weird looking like Cartoon Network experiment like makes me excited that DC's taking risks. So that makes me happy. Yeah, this is also an HBO Max original. So. Hell yeah! Okay, BlizzCon happened mm. this week. Blizzard, their video game company. They buy yeah. companies and make them make overwatch instead of other good games well they said overwatch 2 is coming yeah they're because they, they bought <laughs> they bought the company that made a tony hawk remakes and now they're working on it to make it come out faster oh i heard about that yeah yeah, yeah. um i guess you know it's obviously like some world of warcraft expansions but the diablo 2 specifically you wanted to talk about ryan yeah, Diablo 2 is is one of those like greatest games of all made, uh, greatest games of all time kind of things. And like uh, in in the world of remakes and remasters, like this is one of those games where people are clamoring for like, please, please give us this game again and better resolution and stuff. Um, and it looks like that game again is prettier. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll probably I played Diablo 2 when I was like 10 years old. That game blew my mind of how just, it's so metal demons and shit. Uh, so like but also D&D. So again, I'm very into that right now. Um, so I'm just, I'm excited it's coming out. Also, Diablo Four had just some more announcement stuff, but we already knew that game was coming out. Yeah, uh, they had a trailer for uh, the Rogue Class trailer is what they called it. Yep, this looks like looks like a pretty version of one of those games. Yep. Yeah, I figured we wouldn't have a whole lot to talk about with that one because we, none of us are playing World of Warcraft currently. So no. Uh, but Burning Crusade Classic is coming out. Like World of Warcraft has been going on for over 15 years, so you know that's 15 years of expansions. But they put up World of Warcraft Classic, which is like the, the very original 2003 version of the game without the patches, without the updates. So now they're getting the very first expansions version of that. Uh, so it's very much the thing of like you put out Resident Evil 7, and then the remake of Resident Evil 2 comes out. Like if they're <laughs> working backwards and forwards at the same time, it's really strange. But it's making them money, and people are happy. Maybe maybe they think that the Resident Evil they'll just catch up eventually. 
It's slow. They're almost halfway there with four. <laughs> we'll get a Resident Evil 8 remake in like five years. Oh my God. It'll be so pretty though. Oh, it will be pretty. Holy crap. Uh, and we, I mentioned that the link below to our Nintendo Direct live stream is there, but here's where we go talking about Nintendo Direct. Yeah. What well, you can so actually thanks. hear my thoughts this time. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry, Ben. You're right. I should hold on, Ben. He's going to mute. Yeah. He's going to mute. All right. Yeah. Anyway, so we get the full experience. Of uh, uh of what happened on that live stream. So uh, while uh, uh the direct um the I think the overall consensus on the internet is that uh it's been almost two years since the last direct, and this isn't exactly what people wanted. But also like it's there has been a year long pandemic, so like I don't blame the company for not revealing bigger yeah. games. <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah. This direct was like a true Nintendo direct because we had like other ones like sprinkled throughout. Like, Nintendo World Direct, we had the Mario 3 5th Anniversary Direct, so we had little stuff, and we had like the Smash Bros Direct, and we had like little stuff sprinkled here and there, but yeah, it's we're in, still in the middle of a global pandemic, we can't do a whole lot of stuff, and some people who are complaining like, oh, I was expecting this, 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 guys, summer's around the corner, E3 is doing something online, you know Nintendo's gonna put something out for E3, so calm down. Yeah. Um. So, some of the things that were announced were uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is getting uh, Pyra and Mithra from Xenoblade Chronicles. Yep, yep, yep. More, oh. more anime sword people. More swords. I had a feeling that they were gonna try and that they were gonna add another character from the Nintendo roster to Smash before they would go more third party. When's, yeah. uh, when's Master Chief showing up? <laughs> He's in Fortnite. He can't show up in Smash now. Yeah. Uh, yeah Mag <laughs> says Snap coming out soon. Pokemon, Pokemon Snap. Yeah. I'm surprised we didn't get like a little trailer for that because that is coming out soon. Yeah. I'm pretty sure because it's coming out. Pokemon Snap's coming at the end of April, so they're probably like we we already put the trailer out. People know what it, it's Pokemon Snap. You take pictures of Pokemon. You don't have to put more stuff out for that. I don't think. Uh, um, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD is coming. Yeah, this so a lot of people are really happy about this, and a lot of people aren't very happy about this because Skyward Sword when it first came out for the Wii was a very polarizing Legend of Zelda game. Because a lot of people, like like I said, today's the 35th anniversary when this thing first hit the Famicom. So a lot of people are like, oh, 35th anniversary of Zelda. What's going to be the big thing? Are we going to get Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, and something, and uh, um, Twilight Princess remastered on the Switch or whatnot? What's going to happen? What are they going to do? So there's no big Zelda news besides Skyward Sword. And from what I saw, thankfully, a lot of people are happy about that. But other people, they are super pissed. Well, it's, I, I think it's just if you don't like the game, then this news doesn't excite you because you're getting this instead of something new, which is fine. But like a lot of people didn't play that game because it was on the Wii and you had like a bit good motion controls. And like so like I, this is a, this is one of the only Zeldas I haven't played. Yeah, this is actually this is definitely one of the only Zeldas I never played because I I wanted to do, to play it. I had a, a friend of mine back in college loan me his copy of the game. But the only disc in that case that I used was the 25th anniversary Symphony Orchestra CD that came with the game. Oh, okay, but yeah. the fact that the game is coming out to HD that people are pissed. People are pissed because the Joy-Cons that were announced with it, the, Ze- the new Zelda Joy-Cons, the Master Sword and the Shield, and the game aren't bundled together. And they're looking to the original Skyward Sword, which did come with a controller. So oh, that's 
shit about that, which also makes me a little mad at those same people because they upped the price of Wind Waker and Twilight Princess when they came to the Wii. But now Skyward Sword's coming in HD. They're like, why is this $60? How dare they? It's like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Um, That reminds me, GoldenEye. This is like similar, like GoldenEye for the Wii came with a golden controller. Yeah. Uh, is that similar to that? I don't know if it came with it, but you could definitely buy one. Um, it, it did come with it because I bought it, it together. Oh, weird. Okay. And the golden Wii controller was just a golden uh, Wiimote because you need no, no. It's the like a controller, like because the Wii also had an attachment that you could yeah, yeah. use like a regular controller. It was yeah. that controller, but gold. Um, okay. Not not the Wii mote. Okay. The the bundle with the Zelda, but I think GoldenEye did come with that. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, so, that- so, so, so I'm saying like people people thought that the Wiimote should come bundled with the game, like so that I, did. Yeah, I'm not mad about this because uh, you had like Wii Motion Plus was like new technology you needed to play this game properly, whereas you just need to have a Switch. Like 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 this buying the super special controller is not necessary for this game. It's just an it's a accessory, a fun accessory. It's literally just a new paint job. It's an yeah. aesthetic. That's yeah, all you it. have, it's unnecessary. Yeah. Hi, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, Once again, on right. the podcast. Right, like I like it. Right? Nelda, Nelda. Give me, give me Z-Dog. Star Wars, but, you know, we still got a long ways to go. Maybe more like... Jeremy. Yes, dear? We're talking about Skyward Sword. Do you want to tell them what you think about Skyward Sword coming to Switch? Oh, um, yeah, I haven't played it. Oh, but you know what's really cool now that I actually have this in front of me is that I can recreate all of the music from Breath of the Wild. Check it out. Wait, wait, I need that either. Here we go. Whoa, it's really loud. <laughs> it's kind of all like that. The only, Man, the only get the right live shows. Man, it sounds just as good as when they played it. It's basically just a lot of that. Anyway, yeah, I haven't played Skyward Sword, but I'm excited that it's coming to, to Switch because um, I got one of those. I didn't yeah. buy the Wii U. Um, as a layman, a video game normie, as, as, as we are referred to in the industry, um, I had no interest in buying a Wii U, but I had all the interest in playing a Zelda game. And um, so those, those two things didn't quite match up for me. And now... They will. Yeah. Okay. Jeremy I have to say on that one. I'm going to go drink some hot chocolate. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. Thanks, Jeremy. Keyboard, your keyboard with me. Um, ladies and gentlemen. Splatoon 3. Um, hey, it's another Splatoon game. There you go. It's coming I, didn't know, I didn't know he was going to do that. <laughs> he just came around the corner with a giant keyboard. It happens. Musicians just do that. Anyway. Sorry. Um, Skyward Sword, I'm also excited to play on Switch. Splatoon. All right. Mario yeah. Golf. You guys talking about Splatoon? No. <laughs> no, go, go. Get away. Yeah, don't play Splatoon. Now that it's on the Switch, I'll play it. What did you say, Brandon? What was the question? Mario Golf? Mario Golf. Yeah. Um, Mario. This looks sick. I love Mario Golf, and this looks like 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 uh, the um like the rapid mode where you have to like fast golf. Looks really fun. Yeah. No. Uh, funny enough, Mario Golf is one of those Mar. It's. I mean, it's a Mario sports game that I never played, but I remember a lot of people talking about and loving, back, especially back in the original N sixty four. And I'm actually very curious because they mentioned story mode, 
And fun fact, because they also came out with a Mario Golf for the Game Boy Color to coincide with the N64, but the Game Boy Color one is not just a regular golf game featuring Mario characters. It is a story-driven RPG where you have to play golf against Mario and his friends to win the game. I'm into it. Yeah, it was made by the same people who developed uh, the RPG Golden Sun, Camelot. Oh, shit. That actually sounds... Now I'm actually interested in that game. That's cool. So, the Game Boy Color version of Mario Golf and Mario Tennis, they're both RPG-style sports games. Mm, hello, Yeah, I mean, they said, hey, here's a story mode in Mario Golf. I'm thinking, yeah, well, it's probably not going to be an RPG, but who knows? It could have some uh, little rumblings of all those old GB Game Boy Color games. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Um... Project Triangle. Oh, I am so excited for this one. Oh my god. Oh my god. So the working title is um Project Triangle Project Triangle Strategy. And a lot of people are and I believe it's made by the same company who develops the RPG Octopath Traveler. Yep. This game looks gorgeous. It is um it's not pixel perfect 16-bit style art, but it is just it is a feast for the eyes and it's so a they- RPG. It is I need to I, got, I probably gotta just take my switch and download the <laughs> download the demo. What? Uh, so the developers who made Octopath Traveler, uh, they they they've kind of like developed like their own like phrase for what they're for what it's called visually, and they they call it two D HD. Yeah, makes sense. That's cool because it, it's like it's not quite just pixelated, but it looks better. It looks better than just like old school games, but it's not quite yeah. like modern. Um, yeah, like it looks like a really dope tactical RPG with lots of options and looks real good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one was definitely a huge, it, it was definitely like a huge like, whoa, this look is going to look great because I haven't played Octopath Traveler yet, but a lot of people love it. And this is a new tactical RPG and with Final Fantasy Tactics and Fire Emblem still, well, okay, with mostly Fire Emblem, but it's give, this game gave me mad Final Fantasy Tactics vibes. And we haven't had yep. a new Final Fantasy Tactics since uh, Grimoire of the Rift for the Nintendo DS, which came out in like 2007. Yeah, this looks very, very FF Tactics. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to this. I need to get that demo downloaded on my Switch because I'm probably going to get this day one. This looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Star Wars Hunters. Set between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Fun fact. No idea, no idea what that game is, and it's made by Zynga, the creators of Candy Crush. So get ready to have a really shitty, lame mobile game. <laughs> going to be Mandalorian Crush. Mandalorian Crush, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Sounds- and not that mobile games coming to Switch is bad. Like looking among us, that what that's also a mobile game. That's it's not also- the type of mobile. That's not the type of mobile game. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean yeah, the free to play s games where like everything's loot box related. Like it looks like one of those games. Yeah. Um, Fall Guys Ultimate uh, Knockout is coming to the Switch and the Xbox. That was also announced this week. That's awesome. It's about time. It's about time. I, I really wish that they were coming with an announcement that crossplay would yeah. be uh, achievable at this point because yeah. Fall Guys really, I think, should benefit from that. I kind of understood when it was just PlayStation and PC why we weren't getting it. But at this point, I'm like, nah, we need cross-play on all systems because this is, it's lit. Yeah, they're- I didn't even know it wasn't out on the other systems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought it's it was- been a- Sorry, go ahead, Ben. I actually, honestly, God, I thought it was out on Xbox. <laughs> when they said, yeah, it's coming to Switch, and then you guys say, yeah, it's coming to Xbox too. I'm like- you mean it's not on Xbox yet? That's interesting. Yeah, uh, it's it. That's been a big detriment for like um, there are people. Jeremy's a great example actually, where I think he'd really like Fall Guys, but he only has a Switch and an Xbox. He doesn't have a PlayStation, so um, they haven't. Uh, Marty, a friend of the podcast, Marty is another one of those people where like I really want him to play Fall Guys. I think that's a game he'd really like, 
but he hasn't had had a PlayStation this whole time, um, and that's been a big bummer because that's a good game, mm-hmm. good multiplayer pass your time with game, and it has been shocking, especially I think with Switch, but in gen- in general yeah. that it hasn't been accessible on all of them. I hope they add crossplay soon. Yeah, they probably will. Um, there are other announcements. Do we want to? Are there anything else you want to talk about Nintendo Direct? Because there's a lot of like games are coming. This game is coming to Switch, so it was on the other console. Think, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't the the biggest of directs. Yeah, you covered the you covered the big strokes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we already talked about the the big ones. So yeah, all like the bigger stuff is probably gonna be coming, um, summer E3. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, the monster. We talked about the Monster Hunter game. The monster Hunter um, Rise trailer. Yeah, the, that monster that monster hunter game looks dope as hell. Uh, oh my god! Like I, I need to buy a new TV, unfortunately. But like I'm this close to buying a Switch because that, that monster hunter game looks so good. Oh my god! I didn't realize until I saw because I follow Patrick Klepek from Waypoint on on Twitter, and I didn't realize that there'd never been a spider creature in Monster Hunter until this game. Um, there's never been a spider type, and they they had a reason for it. And then Patrick Klepek. Uh, made made a push for it during an interview and that has uh not necessarily that was a one-to-one but he definitely brought it up during an interview why there's never been a spider thing and now there's finally spider types thank you mag yeah mag says no more heroes three Oh yeah, No More Heroes is a really cool uh, uh, slasher beat 'em up uh, on the Wii. It's like you basically have like a lightsaber, and it was like a really cool motion game. Um, that's cool that the third one's coming out. Thank you, Mac. I completely forgot about that one. Yeah, I completely forgot about too about that too because I remember fans of No More Heroes saying, "Hey, where the heck is No More Heroes 3? Because I think it was announced a while ago. It was been been like buried or stuff. They made like they made like a couple side games too. It's like like not 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 like a kingdom hearts scenario but like this like where's like the next game guys like you keep putting out these weird side projects and like we're finally got it that's a that's a wild series yeah okay moving on um gremlins the secrets of the mugwai a new hbo max prequel series has announced its cast uh ming na wen will play fong wing a uh, doctor of Chinese medicine who is said to be resourceful, slyly funny, and fiercely protective of her family. B.D. Wong will play Han Wing, a character described as a calm rock who never believed his father-in-law's tales of magic and adventure. Isaac Wang will play Sam Wing, who is the uh, shop owner from Gremlins 1. Nice. Um, him as a 10-year-old. That's what the series is about, it's him as a 10-year-old. Love it. Um, James Hong will play his grandfather. Matthew Reese will play the villain Riley Green, a power-hungry English industrialist and treasure hunter who wields black magic that is determined to stop at nothing in his pursuit of Gizmo and the mythical treasure of the Mogwai. That's awesome. He apparently has an army of gremlins, too. Um, AJ Lacasia will play Gizmo. Um, Gabriel Green will play L, who is Sam's best friend. Um, I have the synopsis. Did we ever talk about what the series is about? I don't remember, but I like I'm I love Gremlins one and two so much. So like, please tell me more. Okay, so so basically, so it, it set in 1920s Shanghai, the animated television adaptation will tell the story of how Sam Wing met the young Mogwai called Gizmo. 
Sam and Gizmo, together with Elle, will take a perilous journey through the Chinese countryside, encountering and sometimes battling colorful monsters and spirits from Chinese folklore. However, on their quest to return Gizmo to his family and uncover a legendary treasure, they will be pursued by Riley Green and his growing army of evil gremlins. This sounds incredible. First of all, the first two Gremlin movies have never, like, they didn't touch into the bigger world of anything of magic. It's like, this is a weird creature that I have that you now have main character. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that the, the, now they, the, the main villain in 1920s Shanghai is like a British magician, uh, and you're going to fight in Chinese mythology monsters? Like, are you kidding me? This sounds incredible. Like, yeah. I don't know what to do with Gremlins, but I'm into it. This uh, This sounds like one of those old animated shows that like the karate kid the animated series where he's fighting like statue monsters and things it feels like that but like really dope right Um, i'm very curious about the tone because gremlins is very much like dark comedy um i'm wondering if it's if it's gonna continue to be like that or be like more family friendly like i'm I'm very curious because it's animated yeah i think we're looking at probably an adventure i don't know how family friendly they're willing to get because it is hbo max they could skew a little older yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I'm curious if it, if it'll be like, because I think Gremlins is considered PG, but that's definitely more like a PG-13 situation. It would be PG-13 if that rating existed at the time. At the time, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's one of those ones that fell in the line of like, well, it's not PG and it's definitely not R. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's also been renewed for a second season ahead of its first season premiere. Hot dog. So, cool. Do you, oh, real quick, do you guys like Gremlins at all? Yeah. Never yeah. seen it. Uh, Ben, you'd really like it. Yeah, I think you would actually really like it. Uh, Great movie. I just showed Zara a couple weeks ago. Um, Okay, Wednesday. Not the day. The Addams. Wednesday Addams is getting a live-action TV series on Netflix. Going to be an eight-episode series based off the Addams Family character, Wednesday Addams. Tim Burton will direct the series, making his TV debut. Um, showrunner, executive producers Al Gu, Al Gao, Al Gu, and Miles Miller, who were the showrunners for Smallville and currently Into the Badlands. Mm, okay. uh, they are developing the series for Netflix. The series will see her arrive at Nevermore Academy, where she'll learn to control her psychic powers, deal with murderous monsters, and what else? Solve a mystery and whatever else. Solve and solve a mystery involving her parents. Does she have psychic uh, powers? It's- Nope. I, I I think that's Algo, by the way. Um, uh, this is yeah, like like Vincent Van Gogh. Um, uh, this uh, that's the team that did Smallville. Yeah, um, Go and Miller. Yeah, that's that's. Did the synopsis is wild? I don't know what to make of it. I, it I'm, I'm I'm always up for new ideas, but like it, it why why is why why would the family send Wednesday away? I. Wednesday Adams isn't even to me the the most interesting character in that series. It's Gomez and Morticia because she has yeah. psychic powers. That's why they'd send her away. Does she have psychic powers? She does now. Okay, <laughs> this sounds like a CW. Ver- this sounds like the Powerpuff Girls v- v- show, but it's on Netflix. Like it's it's like such a weird weird translation of it. Uh, well, no, I'm- for real though. This is this is Wednesday Adams is now going to college. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Um. Like I'm not against it, but like it's weird that she has psychic powers. I yeah. really hope I really hope this is secretly just like <coughs> also like 
I don't think Tim Burton's really put out anything good in like the last 10 years, but like that dude still has an aesthetic style that I really like and appreciate. So maybe like he, he was a guy who I always wanted to tackle Adam's family. Cause he does have the right aesthetic for that. Um, it's, 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 I'm glad that he's directing. It's weird that it's focusing on one character. I wish it was the family. Me too. I, yeah. I, I like them as a family unit. I don't think yeah. they really work as like single characters and it's just gonna be like she's gonna be like the mean girl but she's not really the mean girl she's i'm just misunderstood or like something and i'm like i don't i don't know what's going on she's yeah. very sarcastic she has very dry sarcastic humor Tim burton tried to get a stop motion adam's family movie off the ground a couple years ago and that I'd didn't be, happen i'd be into that yeah uh i mean he's he's been rumored like we were talking not long ago about the possibility of him being attached to a live action adam's family film that everybody was shopping around like oh we want johnny depp as gomez and um mm-hmm. so it's it i guess this is where that project ended up i was just yeah. looking back at uh at at tim burton's past decade filmography and it, it really is like a every once in a while something special but most of it's miss but um, yeah, his, his his best stuff is is kind of sadly behind him. But like, well, his last his last thing was Dumbo, which was not fine. bad. I thought I thought surprisingly better than I thought. And I think you saw Big Eyes, right, Brandon? I did. I did like that. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot of good things about Big Eyes, which is it's a really really smaller, lesser known film from him. Um, but past that, yeah, it's not it's not great. So who knows. Uh, yeah. This really the the one thing that throws me off is I'm like I just Wednesday never needed psychic abilities I don't know what's up with that yeah Who knows? all right this one is just for Ben Ryan Sparks leave this is going to be Ben Ben Stephen King oh, God damn it. is getting a new adaptation you see Stephen King's The Running Man. Is going to be readapted by none other than Edgar Wright. This is actually hella cool news, man. Uh, Sparks, since you actually did not hear us, uh, it's it's Running Man. Edgar Wright's Running Man. Running Man is a super cool uh, 80s uh, action movie. Edgar Wright is awesome. I knew what we were doing. Because I knew the news was was had Stephen King stuff, so I, I got you. I knew where we were. Uh, yeah, this is this is very exciting. I'm glad that Ben's getting this. Me too. Hell yeah! We'll watch the original and compare. Um, yeah, I think this is super cool. Edgar Wright uh, diving into this Stephen King world, and like he's made like he's definitely made action movies, but like this is like this is like an action movie, like an action movie. Um, yeah, and he doesn't he doesn't usually do a lot of adaptation unless he really likes the project. Yeah. Um, also based off so, a book. It's really like again, like Stephen King. Like I'm just thinking of the movie. Right. Uh yeah, I that's what I mean is like, you know, uh I think Ed, Edgar Wright's probably much more attached to the source material than he is to the, the old original film. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what uh he said that the series that the movie will be a more faithful adaptation to the book than the than the original movie. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, and he was co-writing it with Michael Bacall. That'll be cool. Yeah. It feels... Um, I'm trying to imagine Stephen King's writing style meshed with Edgar Writing's editing style. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, that, that's going to be really interesting to see where that, that correlates and how it comes about. <laughs> you know what it's going to be? It's going to be Stephen King's like great dialogue 
uh, and like character work and Edgar Wright's ability to actually finish something and it would have a good ending. <laughs> uh, speaking of not being able to finish things, Game of Thrones? This actually worked really well because George R. R. Martin um, is adapting <laughs> a new TV series, a book series, into a TV series. Um, not his. He, it's like a friend of his who passed oh. away. He's adapting it for him. Oh, um, it's a new sci-fi fantasy novel for HBO about a road that extends throughout time, exiting at various points in the past and future. It's called Road Marks. Hmm. That sounds really cool. Yeah. You've got a lot on your plate, my man. Yeah. As he's executive producing it, and the showrunner will be Kalinda Vasquez, who was the showrunner for Fear the Walking Dead and the first showrunner for no second showrunner for Star Trek Discovery. Oh, okay. What was that? What was that other sci-fi show he worked on that was dead on arrival? The oh um never night flyers. Night flyers. Oh my god, that, that looked so good. I don't even I didn't hear anything about it. It aired for a week and then was canceled. Oh, <laughs> They aired all the episodes in one week and said, okay, we're done. We got rid of this. They literally wow. shit it out. Wild. Uh, yeah, so cool. This actually sounds like a cool concept. It does. I'm into it. Yeah. Um, th- I'm going to read the story because I didn't get this. But mm-hmm. the time-traveling road of the story was created by the mysterious dragons of Belquin- Belquinid. Dragons, exactly. Um, uh, but nothing is known about the cre- uh, about the creatures or their intentions. That, there's a lot of noise happening. Okay. Um, only certain people have the ability to exit the road, one of which is Red uh, Dora Keen, the story's protagonist. Red Dova Keen? Dora King. Oh, yeah. Yo, <laughs> man, this is dragons and like uh, time travel or whatever. I'm going to do it, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Give it a shot. And then uh, Zack Snyder is developing a faithful retelling, the King Arthur legend. I guess I got to give that Guy Ritchie movie a chance now. No, you don't. What does the word faithful mean? Sorry, real quick. I've seen some people been, uh, because of this news, uh, give that movie props saying people need to give that movie another chance. So I will give it another chance because apparently it's got cool magic shit. I mean, it does, but... Okay, the last time I saw it was in theater, so maybe I do need to rewatch it. Uh, could be bad, but like faithful retelling. Okay, yeah, well, yeah like, I'm, with, I'm with Sparks though. What does faithful mean? The King Arthur legend is is filled with all sorts of uh, uh, nothing, all sorts of just mixed messages and different stories that intersect in weird ways, and like depends on the country. Like France, Lancelot didn't exist until the legend went to France. Just give us the Green Knight already. <laughs> Just give us the Green Knight yeah. already for real. I, I feel like I feel like the concept is uh, for Faithful with Zack Snyder is going to be that like King Arthur just you know what a man's man and he's just going to have no hesitancy and no. he's just going to boss it all up and it's going to be no problem. And... So uh... is that Excalibur is actually going to be uh, an eighty machine gun? He's just going to write it. No, this is Faithful. Ben, so it's clearly going to be the Middle Ages. He's not going to get an AR-15 into the Middle Ages. Zach, Zach Snyder's aesthetic isn't based in like gun action. He can no. do things without guns in it. It's yeah. just like it's the it's the hyper masculinity behind that kind of action yeah. tonality that he does. It'll that that's going to like infect this hardcore. It'll be it'll be the, of him following the greatest man of all time who led this army against like a rebel faction who was trying to conquer 
and how like he became the leader of a nation and like he created like a free society with his camel up blah blah blah, 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 blah. oh my god he's, he's, gonna, he's super hard to have fucking he's gonna he's gonna like amplify morgana as the bad guy in like a way where he's like women are bad he's gonna be but so he'll, but he'll like think he's doing it in a way where he's saying women are empowered Wait, well, is really, it... what he's gonna say is women are just bad. Wait, isn't it, isn't the witch Morgan Le Fay? It's or Morgana, I... Morgan. It, it's both translations exist. Okay, okay, sorry. Yeah, uh-huh. get off my back, Ben. I've read more King Arthur than you. That's, that's many what... versions in my brain. That's what we're talking about, though, Ben. Like, what does faithful mean? Because just like that, is it Morgana or is it Morgan Le Fay? Yep. Oh, I know. Um. One of the things that uh, I want to say about this is, hey, go watch the miniseries Merlin with Sam Neill and the and the Camelot musical. Uh, you want some good King Arthur adaptations? There you go. I or, or I, the. I, go ahead. I watched that Merlin miniseries because I had it on v- VHS. I watched that thing literally dozens of times when I was a child, and I and I'm really scared to go back because I I'm, I wonder I wonder if it still holds up because I, I it was, it's so it's so treasured in my heart. You know what? Effects wise and probably pacing wise, because it's a miniseries, probably not. But the story is still there. That just, okay. that miniseries is solid. Okay. Uh, also, you can watch the very fun Merlin BBC series, which is what if Smallville but Merlin. Excal- I'm, not, I'm not kidding with you. It's good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Ex- Excalibur is good, if probably a little dated at this point. Um, but yeah, that is a good one. Which one's Excalibur? I never heard of that one. In the '80s, it's got Helen Mirren. Oh, okay. It's one of the, like an early eighties. Uh, yeah, eighty-two. Yeah, but um, it's got a crazy sex scene right at the beginning that oh, I yeah. that I saw at a way too early age, and I didn't expect it because the knight's like he's actually wearing like his armor, and he's got like a like a dick. He's got like a dick hole that he opens up with his armor, and I'm like, what? Uh, look, uh, the the BBC show starts off slow, but like, art. Uh, the the Gwen who Arthur ends up with is a person of color, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Uther is Anthony Seward head Giles from Buffy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's fantastic. And uh, the uh, one who becomes Morgan, the Morgan, the Fay, the one who becomes, uh, she goes by Morgana when she becomes the witch is Lena Luther from Supergirl. Oh. Um, and she, she's like the Michael Rosenbaum of that show, which is okay. really great. That's awesome. Yeah. Thing of character media that I can think of that I grew that actually was like this children's book that I got that where I found when I was in fifth grade and that introduced me to the King Arthur legend. I thought you were gonna say the Clive Owen movie. No, uh, uh, Clive Owen did not do a movie. I don't know what you're talking about. You're right. Sorry, I must be having a fever dream. <laughs> yeah, the movie sucks. I mean, besides yeah. that, of course, you got Monty Python, but that's Monty Python. <laughs> that's a good movie though. uh it, it cannot possibly get more faithful than monty python sir true <laughs> all right the holy hand grenade in antioch i forgot that's that's there. that's as i know it in the true history books yep the true true um havoc not the x-men character a new movie coming from gareth evans he will write direct and produce a netflix movie called havoc starring tom hardy is this the, the last movie he made was Rogue One, right? No, that's Gareth Edwards. Oh, wrong Gareth. My bad. This is the this is the 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 rape guy, right? Yeah. Oh my god, this is gonna be dope. Whatever it is. Um, Havoc follows Hardy as a detective, 
making his way through the criminal world after a botched drug deal, tasked with rescuing a politician's son while also discovering how deep the corruption in his city runs. Cool. That guy, it's, it's going to probably be just like a dope action movie. Sounds good. Yeah. And then the best news of the week, guys. Paddington 3 is officially in pre-production. However, Paul King... Sorry. No, we're getting sparks. We're watching those Paddington movies, maybe. It's happening, finally. Yeah, I've watched the first one. I just haven't seen that second one. Oh, I haven't seen the second one either, then. We can... Yes. Uh, I haven't seen either one. Get on it. Get on it, Ben. Get ready for your life to be changed. Paul King, who directed the first two, is unfortunately not expected to return to direct in this one. Hopefully that changes, but it doesn't look like it. He's well, then it's a waste. Yeah. It's all a wash. No point. Um, yeah. Hogwash. Huntington 2 is so good. Trailers. Tea talk. Tea talk. Sure, we're going to... Gonna... We're going to run back to Nintendo with Playing with Power, the Nintendo story, a crackle docu-series. I was so happy you added this into the the trailers because I saw this on my Twitter feed. I'm like, okay, he, if they didn't add trailers, I'm going to ask for it because I think this is really cool that we're getting a documentary series. Man, you can put, you, you don't have to ask, just put it in there, man. I don't care. Talk about what you want. Yeah, well, I I, I, I literally asked, asked, had something today and do it all the time. Yeah. I saw, yeah. I saw it was on a thing, so I was gonna. So I was like, "Cool, I don't have to let you guys what know." We, what do we think about this one? This looks good, actually. Yeah, let you guys go first. You know me. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it's one of those like uh, uh, behind the scenes of the history of Nintendo. Like they they were they really were a company like since the 1800s, and like they've been around for a while. And how like they made a cool transition in the video games. And there's like they when people think of video games, they think of Nintendo. That is that is mostly true for a lot of people. Um, so I'm excited. I hope. Because Nintendo is one of the most secretive companies on the planet, I'm really curious how much in-depth "quote-unquote" secrets we're gonna get. Because like they're very, they're very hush-hush on on like like the Japan is as a society, they're very, they're much more protective of their of their knowledge. And stuff. Yeah. Sparks, do you have anything to add about this one? No, it looks cool. Um, one thing I do have something to add for this trailer because um this trailer, and even with the uh, um books and documentaries like a console wars because. I'm super happy that we're getting another docu- video game got documentary. I feel like we're getting a whole bunch of them going into mainstream. We had High Score on Netflix, uh, Console Wars on CBS All Access, and now we're getting this one. Um, this one, I hope, is not going to shy away from some of the sketchy shit Nintendo did because they were actually in a lot of lawsuits in the late 80s, early 90s. One of the most famous ones that actually was mentioned in Console Wars was that they were in a fight with Universal over the rights of Donkey Kong. Yeah. I mean, I, it seemed pretty clear in the trailer they're going to go through that. Well, which I'm I'm excited because they're going to be like, hey, Nintendo was, I mean, even Nolan Bushnell himself, the co-founder of Atari, said Nintendo was kind of drunk with power. And if you watched uh, Console Wars, which I watched the first 30 minutes of the other night, it's like, yeah, Nintendo kind of <clears throat> got a little too big for their britches. And and this, and also what I'm happy about this documentary, this one's coming to the to the present. It's not just, hey, we're gonna stop right in the middle like Console Wars did. It's like, oh, N64, stop before the N64 comes out. This uh, is going way to today. The benefit of a docu-series rather than a documentary. Um, yeah. I'm shocked that Crackle still puts out original content like this. You know what? I was actually scared that when it said Crackle was like a Crackle original. I'm like, wait, it's, Crackle's still around? Sony is Crackle, right? 
do they own crackle probably i think so. i'm 95% sure that that's their like their like stream not streaming service but their like original product weird place yeah oh, it, it definitely i don't know probably big, it definitely explains the big playstation rod when the trailer I mean, it just—it's odd because like Nintendo is such a big company. You think this would be like an HBO Netflix thing, but it's Crackle, some company I forgot existed. I mean, it did say watch for free, so maybe I could watch the series with ads, or if I had to do a seven-day free trial, I'll just do that it's, when all the whole series. It's with ads. It's with ads. Okay, I can I can watch it with ads. That's fine. But I'm definitely gonna watch this when it comes out. I'm very much looking forward to watching this because I also Sean Astin's narrating it. I'm super happy. I love yep. it when he narrates stuff. So okay. I'm. Yeah, yay, more his more history for me to learn. Yay. Sparks, thank you so much for getting me Marvel's The Avengers. Because this looks awesome. Marvel <laughs> Marvel's Avengers video game, the next the next story is going to be Hawkeye, Future Imperfect, that is going to drop on March 18th, which is the same day the game will drop on the next gen consoles, the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox XS. Uh real quick before I go into it. Um when they announced that this game was coming out, um, they said Spider-Man was coming out in March. So Spider-Man is not coming out anytime soon because uh, Hawkeye was supposed to come out last year. So uh, I'm glad that he's coming out, but the pandemic really screwed things over. So like we're not like we're we're getting our second character now when we were supposed to be on our third character already. So like I'm just like I understand I'm not mad about it. Some people are in a scuttlebutt because that's because they're probably children. But I I thought this was really interesting. The idea of doing maestro and the future yeah. and perfect storyline through hawkeye yeah um i i like sparks you've been playing it i think that it, i think that campaign's great i think kate i think kate is is so good and her story content is so good um if it's if, if it's any of that quality um which it is because it's like they're basically like two stories in one it leads into this story um it's gonna be great um it makes sense that they kind of play similarly but have many different aspects um it's crazy the amount of arrows he has. He has literally like ten different arrows you can use. And I'm like, that's that's like twice as many as Kate. That's insane. Um, looks really cool. Like I'm I'm so excited to play that game again. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm pumped about this. Um, I'm I'm pumped to finish the campaign. I I actually had to slow down because I was getting near the end of the campaign. And I'm like, you know, I really should do some character specific missions that I've just been too pumped about the campaign to go do. So I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on those for a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I'm also excited to dive into this because of this game, the Fraction Hawkeye um, in in the Maestro world looked really interesting. We have Pizza Dog. He's there. It's so yeah. it's so cool because it's it's uh, like people seem to really also like that Old Man Hawkeye book. Like, oh, uh, and he's in this. Yeah, like it's it's all it's every incarnation of Hawkeye, like young and old, and his villainous personas and Ronin. Like, like it's fun. It's cool that like they're 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 not half assing it. It looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, that reminded me. I was going to mention with Constantine that they should do a movie that's Keanu Reeves, Matt Ryan, and whoever the new Constantine is. All is Constantine. <laughs> oh, it's like the Doctors. The Constantine multiverse. <laughs> the three Constantines. Yeah. Uh, Dota. Constantinople. Ryan, do you want a quick rundown of what this video game franchise is? Oh my god, you guys. First of all, does anyone know what Dota stands for? No. Nope. Okay, cool. So there was a game called Warcraft 3. Warcraft 3 was a real-time strategy game that came out in the early 2000s. Um, there was a mod for it called Defense of the Ancients. And it was a... Um, uh, Warcraft is, it was a game where you play with many, many units. This Defense of the Ancients mod is where you play as one hero unit. And it kind of it kind of birthed a new genre of games in a way. It became super popular, this one mod. 
um blizzard had rights to De defense of the ancients so they so the the guy who made the mod wanted to make a game <clears throat> he wasn't allowed to so he just made a game called dota 2 but it's not actually defense of the ancients it's just called dota 2 so there's a game that's been around for 10 years. It's one of the most played multiplayer games on the planet, Defense of the Ancients 2, but it's only called Dota 2 for rights reasons. It has all the characters from Warcraft, but they're not the Warcraft characters, plus a decade's worth of new characters. It's become its own thing, but it's a Warcraft initial thing. It's getting its own animated series now. The, 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 the news is that Dota Dragon's Blood will be coming to Netflix, an animated series, done by Studio Mirror, who I love their animation. This looks good. Yeah. Really cool. I really Ash like this. Uh, Studio Mayor did Voltron, which is why I really like them. Ashley Edward Miller, who was the screenplay, uh, who's the screenplay co-writer on X-Men First Class and Thor. Nice. Um, is the showrunner. So she wrote the series as well. Um, eight episodes, and they also announced the cast after the trailer. But let's just talk about the trailer right now. What do we think about the trailer? It looks awesome. It's a high, high budget, mature fantasy show. Like it looks it for like I for the lowest expectations of what I was going into. This looks insanely cool. Very, very much like the Arc 2 trailer for that animated show. <sighs> These are both multiplayer centric games with really not much real story that are getting a bunch of story now through animated form with like a lot of budget and pr uh, production behind them. Like I'm, I'm so excited for this thing. Yeah, me too. Sparks. I'm not going to ever, ever play the game, but no, but I'll watch the show. <laughs> yes. Uh, Sparks, did you have something to add? Not really. I'm not trying to take the wind out of anyone's sails, but like it just didn't grab me. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't even really tell you why. It just. It just didn't. My wind. My my sails have been deflated. Sorry. No, <laughs> not at all. Like, hey, it doesn't have to always grab. Not everything grabs everyone. I just. I again, like high budget, mature fantasy shit where people are getting like bloody punches and big old dragons. Like, it just looks. Cool. You know, it looks like. Netflix TV series are how you do video game adaptations. Also, the animation isn't the bullshit 3D. Like, it looks really good. Yeah, it's not yeah. Polygon Pictures, and it's not um, whoever did Castlevania. I forgot what they're called. Um, yeah. it, it's Studio Mirror, who does excellent. Like, I love God of High School is not great, but their animation is excellent. Yeah. Yeah, the animation the animation does look good. I, I Again, like, I can't really pinpoint the reason. Just, like, I watched the trailer, and it kind of left me with no particular impression. Yeah. yeah. Um, boxes for me. I'm like, I'm going to give this a shot. They announced the cast. Uh, Yuri Lowenthal, uh, Spider-Man, Peter Parker from Spider-Man PS4. Uh, we'll play Davian, who's a Dragon Knight. Laura Pulver will play Marina, Mar Mar Marana, Princess of the Moon. Uh, Tony Todd will play Slyrak, Ember, uh, an Ember Eldwin, uh, Eldworm, Dragon. It's Dragon. Um, Troy Baker, the Invoker, uh, Carrie Walgren plays Luna, a Moonrider. Cool. Um, Alex Wilton Reagan will play Selimine, Goddess of the Moon. Freya Tingley will play Fim Fimrin. These are fun. Stephanie Jacobson will play Drisa. Drisa. Wow. Josh Keaton, my uh, well, favorite of mine, will play Brom, who's David. <laughs> Oh, isn't Bless Josh Keaton the '90s Spider-Man? Uh, spectacular Spider-Man. Mm, there you go. Uh, and he's also in Voltron. Okay. Um, Anson Mount will play Caden, and then JB Blanc will play someone we don't know who. Cool. That's a that's a nice big cast. Yeah. 
I, I, I don't know if any of those characters you named are Dota characters. I'm sure they are. It's coming out March 25th. I was surprised that, that we have heard none of nothing about this, and it's coming out next month. That's the that's the trend with the pandemic, right? Like get your get your shit right out the door, right? When yeah. it's coming. Out. Uh, content, content, content. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Invincible had a third trailer. Yeah. Excellent. I think this looks excellent. I'm looking forward to it. I always talk first, so I'm trying not to talk first. No, I, I was expecting you. You, you, you no, took I meant, me I meant for these two gentlemen, not you. Because you know. Sparks, anything? Invincible. It looks good. I don't have a lot to embellish or add to that. Ben, I same. It looks awesome. Can't wait to watch it. Uh, yeah, I think this looks great. I mean, like, uh, I, it, it, part part of it is like nothing. Like, I'm not familiar with it, so I can't embellish on like how good it looks in comparison to the, to the comic. So I would just be iterating more of what we've already said with every little bit we've gotten in Invincible, where I'm like, it looks good. I want to watch it. That's pretty much all I got to tell you. Uh, for again, it's an hour long animated rated R mature like comic book show, and like, I not a lot of people seem to know that until the moment when Battle Beast beats the shit out of this teenage boy, and you see mm-hmm. blood exude from his body. And that's like a big opening moment for a lot of people watching this trailer. They're like, "This show, this show, people are not people are not ready for how fucked up the show is going to get." Uh, like, really, like it is, it is messed up, uh, especially with like the family stuff. Like, it gets really dark and grim. Um, and I'm just like, with this trailer, they're showing like they're absolutely going for it. They're not shying away from it. Um, uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be. It's the same guy who made The Walking Dead. So like, that's all I gotta say. You know. Uh, yeah, I'm. Very stoked for this. I'm excited to read the comic book as well, because uh, I'm going to get into the comic book soon. Um, yeah, this is not the Seth Rogen one. Uh, that's the movie. Uh, yeah. I love the animation. I love how brutal it looks. I love the voice cast. I love that this one was just like, look how cool our voice cast is. It's a lot of people, man. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Excited. All right. <clears throat> Cruella. We got a first look at the Emma Stone Cruella DeVille. Uh, solo film. What do we think about this one? People, people on the internet don't seem to like it. Did we? I want. I don't give a shit about the 101 Dalmatians. So for me, this is the dopest looking Catwoman movie I've ever seen. This looks cool to me. Yeah, this um, bad. Okay, I'm gonna take this to say like, <laughs> yeah, I think this looks awesome. Um, and this is the the honestly, this is what I want a Joker to look like. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I want, I want this bad. I want this so bad. I'm so glad we all agree. That's just so good. So glad about that. I was like tiptoeing in this. I was, I was like, uh. Oh man, I was no, I was confused for a moment because I thought Ben said that this looked bad. I realized no, now no, he I said, said that. Oh no, rad R. Yeah, I, I understand that now. But like for a moment, I was like, oh, Ben. Oh. <laughs> no, okay. So what happened is I woke up that morning and I saw the the gif of her lighting the outfit on fire. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. and I turned to Megan and I'm like. We need to go watch the Cruella trailer right now. <laughs> so put it on, and I was like, because look, I have been interested since they announced Emma Stone playing her. And I'm like, I don't know what this movie is. I don't know how you tell a story about Cruella, like in a way where she's the main character and yeah. it works. I don't know how you do that. And like, it, it hadn't occurred to me that just don't make the movie about the puppy killing thing. Mm. that hadn't occurred to me so i'm like how do you make that character where that's kind of the character trait 
yeah. work as someone that people can like want to follow, want to to be engaged in their adventures. And and then the trailer happens and I'm like, oh, you make it about her rise into fashion and her taking over the world of fashion at for its time period and you don't focus on the dog thing. And I'm like, brilliant. Well, yes, love it. Dalmatians sna- snarling at her, which is okay, cool, because we all know she's the 101 Dalmatians villain. But you also get her saying that, oh, I'm I'm bad, but I'm also a little I, mad. Like she's and one of the scenes I love is like there's a, it's a shot of her in bed. You, her mascara is running. It's just but it looks like she had a hell of a night, and she looks like she's just she's like she just had a, a crying fit. But then she smiles, and Emma Stone just nails the cat. So that's what I so that's what I said. That's what I meant when I when I said that I want Joker to look like this. This doesn't look like to be about a sympathetic retelling of her fall of, of grace. This is just she's evil. Right from yeah. the get go, and this she's a bad person, and we are following a bad yeah. person's rise, and Part- that's what I'm like. That's Joker. This is Joker. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm I'm truly just like the look of this trailer. I'm impressed that Disney went there with this, and I and I really I'm I'm vibing with it hardcore, and I want it. It's- um, I don't like this uh mentality that i've seen going around since the trailer dropped on twitter where not necessarily the comparisons to joker but where it's like everyone's like oh so they went and made her like full-blown psychotic out of nowhere to make her more like joker that's what they're going for they want to make a joker movie so they made her like that and i'm like yo did y'all watch 101 dalmatians because she's nuts at the end of that movie (laughs) she is crazy like it's not this isn't out of nowhere. This wasn't created to make this character. She's that. She always was that. I don't, that mentality has yeah, really don't. irked me where they act like they they changed the character radically to make her more like Joker. And I'm like, she was always cuckoo for Cocoa Puss. Like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Correct me if I am wrong, but is it one of the most famous shots from 101 Dalmatians when she's driving the car in the yeah. snow and her eyes are just super big and there's like multicolors in her eyes that she's- yeah. Yeah, rage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, kind of got a bits of that in the trailer. I'm like, yeah, that's Corella freaking Deville. Her now, last if, if, anything, if anything, one of the things that I'm happy about this trailer is that they didn't change Cruella. Yeah. No. Yes, 100. percent And then like, I, so so some of that reaction bothered me. The other thing that bothered me is that everybody acting like, so this is just going to have nothing to do with 101 Dalmatians. They're not going to they're not going to do anything with that. And I'm like, if you watched 101 Dalmatians you know one particular thing there is a reason why Cruella is in Anita's life why she knows about the puppies they went to college together all that this movie has to do to relate to 101 Dalmatians is show her relationship with Anita which is a weird relationship if you watch that anime movie again it is bizarre that they are they are still kind of friends in a way where like Anita feels like she kind of needs to be Cruella's friend uh, but they're college roommates and that's where it comes from. And you can just have that and still not even touch the dog thing and it works. Absolutely. Right. Um, this is the same director from I, Tanya, and that's another movie about a, 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 uh, a protagonist who is kind of an antagonist. Um, and like the, the big thing on Twitter was, and again, because this is, this is a Disney character. Um, like, Oh my God, how does how do you make a movie about, about a, a character like this? Like, how are you supposed to make me root for them? I'm like, who says we're supposed to root for her? Like she's the bad guy. Like this is a journey into her, into who she becomes. Like again with Joker, like I'm not rooting for the Joker. I'm on the journey with the Joker. Yeah. I uh I will use this analogy, even though I like Maleficent. 
Uh, Maleficent yeah. oh, yeah. is a movie that changes the char- a, a bad guy into a good guy, a misunderstood good guy. Yeah. Um, and while I like how weird the Maleficent franchise is, and I like that it exists, this Cruella is not that. Right. Yeah. And I think I think we were kind of afraid Cruella was going to try to do that. It was try going to try to Maleficent her. And I'm like, you can't. She wants to kill the puppies. Is there... <laughs> So again, I've been seeing 101 Dalmatians, and I'm going to call it 101 because I'm hip. Uh, the 101 Dalmatians since I was a wee lad. Is does Cruella Deville like? Is she like a tech savvy? Like she's straight up doing Catwoman shit, and I'm like, I don't remember that at all from the character. But also, this is like 40 years ago. So like, does this trap you guys? The very the very first scene where I believe we see no one saying it's also been years, decades since I last saw 101 Dalmatians is um cruella in the apartment with anita and she has the cigarette like the elongated cigarette she's not she's not tech savvy this takes place in the 70s i believe i mean but like she's doing like like jewel robbery looking shit i mean oh oh i see what you mean she does have like coming down buildings and stuff uh all right you're saying this movie takes place in the 1870s no no i don't oh okay yeah, they want they they wanted to do like a grungy it's, 1970s. It definitely seems like it's an older aesthetic for sure. Yeah, like this is like if if Glenn Close is from the 90s, it's definitely at least like earlier than that. Yeah. Well, I think well I think Sparks is probably because uh, 100 Million Dalmatians takes place in the 50s. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. I see. Oh, I see what you mean. Oh. I, I think they. I think they. I think they moved the timeline up. The Marvel timeline thing. Well, some some things in it look don't look 70s to me but i know what you mean mm-hmm. um like there's some things around like the manor in the town where i'm like this this looks like uh, what was confusing about it to me was it looked like it was it was going for like the late 50s at, uh but it was doing it um with the with her already uh younger rather than like leading up to the 50s but it did it did look like t- but i can see where it's also the 70s it could be yeah all right, let's move on. I want to sure. see it. I think anybody who's who's ragging on it on is stupid. Oh, I think I thought I found it for a second. Sorry. Oh, no, but didn't find it. Uh, yeah, I'm really stoked. Mortal Kombat. I can't handle it. I gotta go. It looks bad. I think. I think this. I think it looks like trash. I talked to you about this. You can't do it. <laughs> you almost convinced me. I'm like bullshit. Nobody uh, needs this. I think this looks awesome. <laughs> Guys, I legit, legit haven't been this excited for in a like the movie could be a piece of shit, like it could be a decent action movie, like really bad acting or whatever. The next like two months, I'm gonna be living in bliss because this trailer was like the best trailer I've seen in a long time. Not just because it's Mortal Kombat. I think this was a sick action trailer with great music and like it sets it up perfectly. Like Oh my god! And it's just a red band trailer. They didn't. They didn't give us like a like a PG. They just went straight for the R. Like perfect. Like just a perfect trailer. I think. Uh, I'm super stoked for this movie. I I am really happy that they're using the. <clears throat> they're they're not shying away from Mortal Kombat powers. Kano has a laser coming out of his eyes. Liu Kang's using fire fists. Like hell yeah! Fire dragon. Fire dragon. Oh, freaking scorpion looks amazing. God. Got Scorpion having the his kunai, his knife, and then oh, and oh, that actor looks incredible. Blood Idol. Blood Idol. Yeah. So when Scorpion and Sub Zero were fighting, and you got 
the blood and he freezes the blood and stabs Scorpion. I was like, like all everything that just happened in that scene was a move from one of the various games. Like the blood icicle is a move. The thing where he steps on the ground and creates an ice wall and you get thrown into it's a move. Like I'm like I'm watching a live action Mortal Kombat game match. Like this is incredible and it looks good. Like visually, Kung Lao's hat looks so freaking straight out of the goddamn game. We are five years at best away from either a Dragon Ball movie or an anime of its type going to live action and looking good because we're we're clearly like right on the cusp of it. It's so obvious. We've gotten so many movies that like lead us there. Yeah. Uh, Yu Yu Hakusho is is apparently coming to Netflix, but I won't count that yet because like that scale might be a little lower. But like, but this, this looks so good. Like, okay. So I real quick, I just I really want to tell you guys the origin of the Mortal Kombat universe. And um, it's not something that's ever explicitly said in any mm. of the games. Um, Sparks, you and I listened to the Mortal Podcast once, which is which is a weekly Mortal Podcast, excuse me, Mortal Kombat podcast by Ben Meckler, who's a hilarious comedian writer. Uh, follow him on Twitter. He's amazing. Um, uh, every week he has a celebrity guest on. He talks about one specific character um, uh, from each of the games. So that's really fun. I highly recommend that. But... Real quick, two minutes. Just get into your seats, guys. Get ready for the origins of Mortal Kombat. From the very beginning of the universe, there was the one being, right? The one being, the one god above all. And he got real bored, so he created the gods, right? And the gods, all they had to, do, all they could do was worship the one being. There was no, there was no universe yet. So the gods came together, and they're like, "Listen, we are real bored, and all we do is worship this guy. What if we kill him?" and take all of the power for themselves, right? So they create these things called the Kamidogu daggers, right? And they slice up the one being into a billion pieces, and each of those billion pieces becomes one of the realms. So there's that's how the universe gets born, from the one being, right? So you got all the realms. There's the vampire realm, there's the centaur realm, there's the, the, the chaos realm. Every species has their own realm. Um, so the other gods are, 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 have all this new land and they create the, the smaller guards like Raiden and Shao Kahn and Raiko, all these like gods that aren't, they're demigods, right? So the demigods are on the planet to defend them, but Shao Kahn gets super greedy and hungry and he's like, this is boring. I want to, I want to conquer. Fun fact that you guys don't know. Every conqueror in history has been secretly influenced by the one being to try to unify, to create the one being once again. So that's why the Mortal Kombat tournaments happen is because, because the one being is trying to reach out through the ether to Alexander the Great and to Genghis Khan and to these people to try to unite and reunify the world. And Shao Kahn becomes the greatest overlord of the world. And then guess who stops him? Planet Earth. Uh, real quickly. Fedora Society. Where's Johnny Cage, though? That's a weird omission. People think he might be like a cameo in this. I also think he's a weird omission, but like it's like uh, keep diverse a little more diverse. Like it's not, I'm not mad at it. I really like the look of all these characters. Um, we've already got a white guy. We don't need to. Yeah. Um, real quick. So Cole Young, that's the main character. I'm glad that he's not some random white guy. So I feel a little, I feel a little less. Uh, uh, crappy that it's just some random dude right mm. here's the cool thing about this um there's a couple instances where cole is looking into a mirror and it's a flash of scorpion there's also an instance where he's wearing gloves that are yellow like scorpions sub-zero is after cole for some reason um this is the first sub-zero and it's confirmed that the sub-zero will be like the quote-unquote villain of the movie the first sub-zero is not the only sub-zero the first sub-zero is bihan the second sub-zero is kwai lang who sounds suspiciously like Cole Cole Young? Mm. So I'm just saying, this first Sub Zero is probably going to die, and I think this guy might become the new Sub Zero. 
I think that's the, I think that might be a hunch or he's tied to Scorpion in some way. Um, but I think he's not just some random character. He has a tattoo, uh, Sub-Zero's after him. I think he might be a descendant the, of one of these guys. Uh, the, the two things about that. Uh, one, um, the, the Koleon looking in the mirror, uh, it didn't look like Scorpion to me. It looked like an evil version of him. <clears throat> oh, it could be that too. Like he could still be a descendant of Scorpion. So that still works for me. Yeah. Um, and then the, the other thing is, um, it's very interesting that they have um, kind of continued the the the, lo- the now long tradition of switching uh, Scorpion and Sub Zero's roles in the narrative, mm-hmm. uh, where Scorpion is the good guy and Sub Zero is the bad guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, depending on again which timeline, like, and, and again, uh, Scorpion and Sub Zero's uh, feud was always created by by Quan Chi, the evil bald white sorcerer man. Um, but yeah. My yeah, he's he's dope and he's got a great deep voice. Uh, Sub Zero, like he killed like part of Scorpion's clan, and then Scorpion gets revenge. Yeah. Like it's just like blood feud just to gain power. You know, you can go and uh, listeners can go and check out a good adaptation of that idea in the animated movie uh, of for Mortal Kombat about Scorpion. So Scorpion, Scorpion's Revenge is that what's called? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. You're right. Yeah. Um, I, I just I just I can't believe this looks so good. I am bummed out that they that they showed Reptile getting killed. Like they just should reveal the end of one of the fights with a fatality, which is okay. Yeah. yeah. Reptile, yeah, Goro looks CG. People are shitting on the CG. It, it looks fine. It's like it's this is a 50, this is a 50 million dollar movie. I'm not gonna be mad if Goro doesn't look the best. Um, but they show Kano, yeah, it looks fine. They show Kano rip, punching into Reptile and ripping his heart out. And that is a cool thing, but I kind of wish they would have saved that for the movie. Still looks sick though. Uh, I think I love the fatality, the, the the finish him fatality montage at the end, where there's just like a bunch of people killing people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I also don't feel like that ruins anything because I feel like Reptile always goes out at some point and then comes back in He's some just- way. Yeah, it's Reptile. I'm the, I'm not mad that Reptile. I had a feeling like, oh, which one of the Mortal Kombat characters is gonna die first? Probably Reptile because he's Reptile. Never entered my mind. Um, Kevin can go. Here's our fourth one. Fuck himself. There we go. Um, so Wanda, this looks like like WandaVision, but like real and sad. Yeah, this looked really interesting. I was I was way into this. This was uh AMC, right? I think it was AMC. AMC, yeah, TV yeah. series. This 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 housewife uh feel, looks like she's trapped in a sitcom almost. Well, at least she's hallucinating a sitcom. Yeah, yeah, I think it's her. I think it's her. Any uh, things are pulling her out of the imagined fantasy of the the world that she's living in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that that like it's her coping mechanism kind of thing. I think. Yeah, like like yeah, while she's living like this mundane like like to her like bad life, like it's the the sitcom. Like this is what it's supposed to be like. Yeah. Um, that actor who who is playing the husband, like the goofy husband, that dude's super funny, and he always plays that kind of role um so like i'm i'm very excited to watch the show because he he actually plays that kind of role in like in tv shows like like king of queens that kind of role so it's it's fun to see him like meta version play himself yeah uh, that's pretty cool it's it's cool to have something that's going to directly take on the kind of the misogynistic angle of those those setup sitcom shows where it's very like you know doting it, you know in some form or another has still continued to be like more or less the doting stay-at-home housewife for the doing the things for the Manly man, husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Anything else, or should we move into our main? Topic? That's it. Good night. Leave the trailer park. It's gonna be a long Ooh. night. What if we push the book club? 
Oh, I don't care. Um, okay, Arch Enemy. This is the new Joe Manganiello Legion M movie. So full spoilers for this. Spectre Vision, Elijah Woods Production Company, who also made Mandy. Oh. Uh, so full spoilers. Full spoilers. All right, what do we think about this one? I thought it was pretty good. Um, I think there's not a lot going for it. I think like it's a pretty, it's like a super low budget movie, but I think the concepts that's going for are really fun. I appreciate the things I was going for. I really love the comic book stuff. Um, there's something missing. Like I don't think it was fully there for me, but like I, I, I really enjoyed watching it. I, I think it's, I think it's a cool thing. I want more of these kind of things to be out there. Like it's hardcore genre with a low budget. Mm-hmm. Sparks. I more or less uh, agree with what Ryan said. I think um, if this movie didn't have good chemistry between uh, Manganiello and the young man, the, the kid, Hamster, yeah, uh, I think the movie would be dead on arrival. Um, I, I think that it just would never have picked up anything, any kind of energy or speed. Um and and I think that's kind of crippling. And I don't mean that to say that like the other performers are bad. I just think that the movie kind of hinged on making that that relationship work. And uh, especially for you to get into it in the beginning. And if that hadn't happened, it, it didn't have a lot else that it could save it. Um, that did happen. But uh, I think that the movie falls short of executing its premise to its best. And uh, And I have one particular thing about it that that i'll get into a little later um but overall i thought it was it was pretty good for for you know the budget and and what it was going for ben um, <clears throat> i think i'm a little more colder on this movie than you guys i mean i do agree it, it's fine it's got some prop it's got a few issues but also has some really good things i do love joe manganello and the chemistry between hamster um I, I do agree with Ryan because I do feel like there's something missing because there are parts of this movie where I got really interested in one storyline and then it cuts to Maginella and Hamster I'm, and to Max and Hamster. I'm like, oh, that's right. These are the guys I'm supposed to be following. The other one is just a subplot. I had the opposite. I had the opposite reaction. Okay. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it is fine. It's, you can tell this is a lower budget movie, which is nothing wrong with that. But I don't know. You're right. It just it feels like it was missing something to like. You're like, oh wow. But I mean, it's it's good. It's it's not. It's weird. I'm I'm like, eh? but I'm, I'm like I'm not mad. I saw it, but at the same time, it's like I feel like I could have done something else with my time. Sometimes things can just be like fine. Yeah, yeah I, I I tend to. I think I agree with the general consensus here that I yeah I. It's missing a something. It's missing a something, and I don't necessarily know what that something is. Um, I thought the comic book the comic book stuff was like the comic book like animation was actually really inventive and really interesting um and as i mentioned opposite of what ben when we were following joe manganiello and hamster i was far more engaged in this in the movie than when i was following hamster's sister so much so that when we moved to hamster's sister's subplot i'm like oh right she's still in this movie um yeah so i kind of like let me address the big one up front which is that I think it's really dope that she gets abilities from touching his blood at the end. Mm-hmm. I really hate that it's at the end. This is not yeah. a film designed to be a franchise. This is not a film designed to actually, have a sequel. Actually, yes, it is. 
I mean, even if it is like it's, it's it, planned, the director planned for it to be. The, it's called the Vortex trilogy. He just doesn't know if it'll ever get happen. Yeah, um, I think Maybe that was a mistake. Maybe don't name your franchise before you get. I think I think as a single film, like having a black uh, female lead who's going to get the abilities, the fact that that happens right at the end of the movie and you don't get to see her really do anything with it is kind of lame. Um, and and working under the pretense that there likely won't be follow-ups to this uh, kind of sucks. Like, kind of sucks. Um, what I would have rather seen is I would have rather seen uh, him uh, fail in his attempt to stop uh, Cleo and then her get the abilities from that moment and go after Cleo in her own act carrying on what he did and that be kind of the third act finale of the film mm -hmm. and he kind of sacrifices himself for these kids um i think that would have had more more to it more of an emotional weight to to the story that was happening in the film um and i feel like that was just a horrendous missed op opportunity and kind of made everything as we were going through the third act kind of just fall into a ah this is the coolest thing you've done so far too bad you're not going to see any of it goodbye Goodbye, everybody. I have a slight issue with the 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 way that the movie presents the comic book story, uh, his other world. If he is really, there's really no ambig ambiguity to whether or not he is from another world. The movie pretty plainly says that that is true, and I would have liked a bit more ambiguity, maybe a little bit more uh, back and forth of whether or not he's telling the truth or not uh, in yeah. the movie. I. I if I may write it, I was actually hoping that too, because there was a part in the movie where I was thinking, oh, maybe he is just making all this up. Maybe he is just this crazy, crazy homeless guy in intercity name here that people that people just know oh, that's just Max. Don't worry about him. And you know, and then I was like, man, that would be actually a really cool take where he actually is like, you're right. I'm just I'm I need help. I'm making all this shit up. This no, art was something completely different. I, I don't mind that it is true. I actually like that it is true. Uh, oh. But I would have liked that revealed to have been like when we see Cleo, because we're pretty sure Cleo's showing up in the movie. Um, when we see Cleo to be like, oh, that's the reveal that this is real, is what he was been saying. Before that, I would have liked a bit more back and forth of whether or not he was telling the truth or not. I, I, thought, I, I thought, um, I, I kind of agree and, and disagree at the same time. I thought the reveal for me, the reveal that Cleo was was real, that it was all real, was the the orb right after the call, and you see the symbols tied to each other. I thought that was a good moment, but I will admit that I think Cleo's moment when she appears lacks the weight for what it's uh, supposed to be. Yeah. Um, I also think uh, I think the comic story is just a little. It feels disjointed. I don't I don't think we get enough of the concept uh, that that's played with, which is probably the most interesting idea about that story, where he was a hero in a in a world that didn't want him. Um, he became, like too reckless and like started like collateral damaging everything. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think that gets uh, explored enough. I do think that just because I was seeing the comic stuff didn't tell me that it was true. It just you know like. It, it could still have been the movie trying to trick you into thinking it's true by the way it's presenting the story. Like nothing, nothing told me for sure that he was absolutely 100% true. And I will say that the movie made me veer into the, oh, he might be making this up 
territory when he is like, yeah, there's a little bit of the cosmic blood in this drug. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah that's, there's that's, just a little bit of it in this. Yeah. That's when I was a little hesitant. like, oh, maybe he's just a crazy man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and that's, what like, I'm talking about. that's what I'm talking about. That's the only time that the movie ever presents that perhaps he's an, in, he's insane. Um, I would have liked it more. I, I mean, he like he gets hit by a car and he's like bleeding and like like he's taking it because he's like he thinks he can take it, but like he's punching a wall and his hands are hurt. Like, I yeah. I wasn't convinced until until at least more than halfway through that. Like, and, oh, and I I think it's I think that the the way the film does it, it's just as convincing to the audience as it's supposed to be to Hamster. Yeah, uh, that like you know, uh, yeah, it seems true. Sure, sure, yeah, I believe yeah. it. I don't know. That's a lot of drugs. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot of dead people. I, he might be making this one up. Uh, and I think I think that flow works fine. So, funny enough, one of the problems I actually do have with this movie is that when um, Hamster is interviewing him for the first time, so he can get the job at like at a um, dollar store Twitter, is he straight like, "Oh, how many people did you kill?" And then Max goes, "No, no, no killing. Never killed a per- That was a rule." And then halfway in the movie or more than halfway like you could say that if he he doesn't acknowledge that he changed his rule of living on this planet he's just like he just straight up murders fools left and right now it's like nah, i mean if you're gonna change your conviction then I, I don't know i just felt like there, there should have been like why did he change or he should have kept with like the i am a hero i don't kill people you know what scene i really liked uh, i I'm glitching. Oh. Sparks, go ahead. Uh, I, I agree with you, Ben. I felt like uh, the, the whole moment of him saying, I don't kill people to smash cut to him murdering people. Uh, I, I felt like that whole concept just, it, it wasn't explored the way it should have. Neither in, either, either in the fact that like he lied and he did kill people or the emotional weight of him starting to kill people. Neither one of those things was ever displayed or delivered upon and that that's another that is another thing in the movie that just really like knocked me out and made me really really not uh uh like it i agree i agree and i was waiting for the moment to explain why he's now killing people like oh he actually was like he was almost like villain level when he was this hero but it doesn't ever tell me that i'm just supposed to be like well i guess he's become the punisher because he can't punch people anymore yeah, see, see, I think somewhere in there is kind of the emotional pitch that that we're all kind of feeling, like just didn't take this drive this movie home, which is that I I do think that it should have been more about this guy who felt like he he lost all purpose when he was kicked out of his reality, where he he strived on being a, this hero, um, even if people didn't want him to, because oh man, he's gone, he's gone. And... Oh, that's not just me. No, no, no it's it's. Yeah, sorry, sparks, sparks. you lost last five seconds. Go repeat what you said. Oh, I don't know where I was then. So, oh, okay. Um, hey guys, I was I was like, I hope this movie doesn't do, do a Hancock. And then at the end, like when they get when they get near each other, their biology is like sim- symmetry. And I'm like, oh, now it's Hancock. Well, one of the things that I think is you know kind of would have helped drive home the 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 thing about him he kills people is that she she implies that he wasn't the hero that they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they yeah. had just done more with that concept earlier, maybe mm-hmm. uh, then the, the he, he kills now would have made more sense because he, he, he got reckless in his own world. Like the reveal when he does meet Chloe and it, it is Chloe, right? I didn't just make that up. Cleo. 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 
Okay, there was an O and an E in there somewhere that I just got mixed. When he does, when you do see Cleo again in the office for the first time, and she says, "Was I your wife?" and he goes, "Yes," I'm like, "Okay, how did that happen?" I yeah, I, that's another that's another like, concept that I think is really cool. Yeah, that they like, don't do. Your wife becomes your because the whole time I thought, okay, I didn't get like maybe like I didn't get sprinklings that maybe Cleo and Max were together. Until like halfway through, everyone's like, "Maybe were they?" Because we're he's like he's seeing her reveal and the reveal in that same scene that she created this. She created the void not to wipe flesh from body, but to wipe everyone of their abilities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, stop him. That's a cool concept. That's yeah. not. I like the the comic panel of them like like them like embracing each other out of love because like they used to be something and like this power drove them apart and she basically had to become his arch enemy and he was his own arch enemy in a way like I like how like the movie can be yeah. phrased in multiple ways however you think about it but again yeah. it doesn't capitalize it doesn't capitalize on that relationship yeah I was really hoping for some form of that or like at least because he kept saying it's like I saved the city I'm the hero Cleo's my arch enemy is like no. You are the villain. Cleo was the hero, and she was trying to save you from being a complete. They just hero. don't. They just don't. They just don't get it to that finish line. No. I okay, think so. I, so uh, go no, go ahead, Ryan. I think what for me, like if I was to rewrite this movie, I think, I think if he would have been the arch enemy, if he would have been the villain, and him like rediscovering that would have like broke him emotionally, and then that's what have like turned him into a good person. That would explain why he was a killer when he lied, because like he was trying to cover it up. And like, like he finally did get to meet his wife slash hero arch enemy, and she did change his life, and they both die at the end. You know, I think that could have worked a lot better. It would have explained a lot of our problems. This yeah. is this is a lot of what I was uh, trying to express when I glitched out. Was that uh, I think that the the emotional pitch of this was uh, would have been stronger with the concept of him being this person who felt like he'd lost purpose and he's trapped, and uh, and he's having to grapple with uh, having lost that when wanting to be this hero that <clears throat> that nobody really wanted and he finds the new purpose in the kids and he should have that should have been like the the best thing he'd done in forever and he knew it and cleo knew it and what it is is that he gives his life for the kids um and in doing so that that lead to her getting her powers and all that um, but but they just like don't drive that concept home all the way even though uh i think um uh what are their names hold on um i think zoli griggs who's indigo is doing a great job i think skylin brooks who's playing hamster is doing an excellent job and yeah. i think joe manganiello is turning in a good performance but mm -hmm. that nevertheless the script isn't taking them all the way um i um, have to i have to give my homeboy glenn howerton props uh he's one of the main people in it's always sunny in philadelphia he played this the weird henchman guy with the mustache um the manager he, the manager yeah he he's he's he plays a psychotic man real well he just he did what he does best um he was fine he was he was fine i, I will say fine. that uh, Sorry, go ahead. i just on the note of the manager the only bit with him that really didn't land for me was when he's singing um only yeah. because it felt like something it felt completely unmotivated outside of we're just trying to make him stand Scary. out to you in this moment and yeah. i'm like cool why what <laughs> i'm just glad to see him in a movie yeah, that was, that was what I was gonna say. Was a, that was a funny moment when he, when he gets out of the car to go beat up the the to go beat up hamster when the girls walk in. Oh, I'm so glad he did this, and he's just just a long shot of him walking up to him and wham. Yeah, although so, eh, I mean it's a it's a logical thing because he because hamster did have his sleeve, so he probably could have done. I don't know. It's I don't know. 
that's a really dumb. That was that's probably a dumb thing. To yeah, ignore that one, Ben. It's all right. Yeah, okay. um, did you did you just have a stroke, Ben? <laughs> I was gonna say that Hamster could have fought uh, the guy back with a stick because he had those blades on his wrist. It's a comedic moment. Yeah, it is a comedic moment. Also, I feel bad for Melissa because she just gets shot in cold blood. That sucks. Uh, yeah, that character we really fell in love with. Uh, I really, I really like the manager's uh, hench dude who comes oh, to Indigo's house, and he's just got the comfy sweater oh. on. He's like, "Listen, man, I just, the I just, glasses? you know, it's it's weird." No, the guy with the like hair up, the guy who oh, comes guy. into her house, oh. yeah, and he's just like the cozy hench guy, and he's like got the book with him, and he's like, you know, it's so crazy because all of this, uh, you know, uh, crime is supposed to stop us from our pain on the self, you know. Uh, because they're talking about the guy having committed suicide and not being yeah. able to make sense of it. And, and he's like, I, I don't get it. Cause like the whole point of all this agony is supposed to take away from your own self uh, uh, upsetness. And I, I thought that was such a funny concept yeah. of how that guy was executed. Was uh, and he's like, you got a real cute place. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That was a really good scene with the crazy guy with the Krieger or whatever. I, I, I wanted to highlight that I wrote that down. I really like the Paul Shear scene when he's with the gun and he it ends in such a such a dramatic and and shocking way. Uh, uh real quick, going back to the, uh, the the scene with that guy uh, before we go to Paul Shear, who is who's awesome. Um, that's the guy from Lovecraft Country. That's the evil cop from Lovecraft Country, who's the oh. other guy in the sweater. He's got a right. he's got a beard on though, but he's still right. an asshole. Um. I've never I've watched Paul Shear for like 15 years only be a funny guy. He's legitimately good in this scene, I think. I think he's funny and disturbed. Like the Russian roulette shit is like, oh man, you got chops, Paul Shear. All right. I loved it. Yeah. Um what one thing I didn't like, you guys probably didn't like her as much, is I actually did like the actress who played Cleo. Um, because I liked how she was just like cold. Mm -hmm. As in she was like this cold, calm. It wasn't like this like mega megalomaniac villain or who's like very loud and bombastic she's like like when she sees uh, indigo come back up she's like you need to handle your employee i uh, um, yeah. I, know, I know what you're saying and I, I like the concept of her but I, I didn't get a whole lot from that actress i thought she I, was fine yeah i just thought the script didn't give her enough to to warrant to justify the relationship that's supposed to exist between her and max it's yeah. just not there and i don't think that's always the i don't think that's all the actor's fault i think she's trying but i i think that the script fails her in mm -hmm. that scene to give her anything of emotional value i think everything prior to that where she's cold kind of lands fine but it's that where i'm like you can't be this calculated about it it's it needs more if it's only going to be this moment mm -hmm. um there's a shot in there that i had to watch three times to try to make sense of it and maybe it's just me, but I thought it was a bad shot where she uh, points the gun down to the table and it, the shot is just on the table and she taps the silver reflective thing. And she says, you see that? He did that to me. Um, oh, yeah. What holds on that? I So it's the it's the helmet. It's the mask um, from oh. the comic book stuff. But that is not obvious for how for when that shot is there it doesn't look the same as the comic thing nor is its purpose clear or what that's supposed to mean to me to hamster i don't know what like she's like he did this to me and i'm like did what <laughs> yeah like going on what you said when she said she did that so i'm like that looks perfectly intact if it was shattered and broken and she no. had scars on her eyes then i'd be like or under her eyes i'm like okay that i get 
he did do that to you. It sounds like it sounds like what, 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 it sounds like that sounds like he he put her in the mask, and you're like, oh, what? So so my my theory is my theory is based on the minuscule amount of information around that thing that we got is that he put, made her wear that, and she didn't get abilities because of it. No power for her uh, by doing that because of how it's. That's the that's the best I got for you based on the information. But again, it is so unclear. And the worst thing about it is that hamster should wouldn't get it at all. He get it even less than I do. And so I'm like, that's that's such a it's a bad it's a it cinematically like the framing is a bad shot to begin with, and it's a bad moment. And I'm, I don't understand it. Yeah, I, I'm okay with like <laughs> things being obtuse and obscure and like not giving me all the information. But like when you set up when you set up certain things, you have to pay them off. Or I just feel like. What was what was the point? Or are you give me information and it doesn't lead anywhere? I'm like, every nothing was ever like everything was executed like just enough, but never enough with enough depth. It's all surface level. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, like you can't, you just can't set up a line where like the point of the line is to get another character to understand an amount of pain or agony because of something you're pointing out, and have it to the level where neither the audience nor that character would be able to make sense of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's what that moment is. And I'm like, that, that just, I, I would have cut that moment out entirely. Like it, it helps nobody. It's just confusing. I would have maybe have her, I know it's, it's an exposition dump, but I probably would have like maybe add a little bit more exposition to that. That's where she would like, she sat down and be like, see this, this is whatever, whatever. this is the thing that he had me wear he got the powers, I didn't, and it drove him batshit crazy. I would have, I would have enjoyed more, more comic book page backstory. Honestly, even like, like only, only like a minute or two that you would have needed. Like, I enjoyed that stuff. Yeah. Well, well, I do think, I do think, like they could have gone further with the moment that they're playing, which I thought the moment was good. They just, they don't do enough with it. Where she's talking to Hamster, and she's saying, "Let's walk through the story." Then, uh, were you my wife? Yes. Blah blah blah. Uh, she says, the one, were you a hero in a ta- in a world that didn't want you, uh, where you were reckless and violent? And he's silent. She looks at Hamster and she says, he doesn't want to say yet, uh, say it, but the answer is yes to that one. Um, that's all good, but that moment should have been driven further to actually tell us what happened to their relationship because we still don't know. And yeah. that's where it should have come out. And and that's where like it's just it's we're just you're right, Ryan, it is okay to be like obscure and obtuse and like, let us draw our own conclusions, but we don't have enough pieces to draw conclusions that, uh, that, that the movie makes us feel like we should have conclusions about by that point in the movie. And I, and I don't have that information and that's really a big hindrance on it. And more that importantly than that, Hamster is our, our POV character and he's being challenged with that information and not having enough information. So the whole moment doesn't work because of it. Yeah. And I, my, my kind of final thoughts on it are like, I, I guess I, I, I like all the comic book stuff, but I, I, I guess I wouldn't even call it like lazy, but like just the fact that he turns into just like a dude with like a shield, like he turns into like the Punisher, like kind of like is just like whatever to me like that's not i i thought he was gonna like wear a body armor and go like tackle and beat the shit out of people with his fist i'll i'll accept that but like getting a gun like the movie turned into like a like it turned into the punisher and i was like this doesn't feel like the same movie like it's kind of weird yeah i agree i agree with that that tonal shift uh didn't didn't jive with me yeah. either 
Like when he out when he burns his costumes, like this time for something new. We're gonna clean the city up. Like okay, cool. And then it's like I'm gonna go on a killing spree. It's like oh, we're going that route. Okay. Again, I don't I I don't mind the killing spree, but it's it's just like he he's dressed like a SWAT team guy. I thought he would have dressed like his old self, like with like super fist or something. Like so he has or something. So he has uh, the the his logo for the fist sprayed onto the thing, but we didn't see it before that on his previous outfit, even yes. though we'll see it later in the movie in the comic that it was there. And that's where I'm like, we're not even getting that connotation moment to, to connect those things because we only see his outfit from the back. Um, I mean, also, part of me was kind of hoping that his fist, that his hand would go back into the crystal fist. Me too. I was hoping to see that. I mean, I know it's this is a very low budget film and CGI is very expensive. But it would have been cool to see his hand go back into the the, the crystals. Like, oh, that'd have been cool to see, but we never do, which is a bit of a bummer in my opinion. Yeah. When when they have the Hancock moment, I thought that he'd get the crystal fist back. He yes. Yeah. Like, get the fist. Come on, do the thing. Do the cool thing. But nope. Um, also, that the Hancock moment seems like to be there literally for no reason other than to like give the girl the powers. Yeah. Right. Uh, and which, again, I think would be fine if the movie were going to actually allow us to enjoy that uh, in this film rather than hoping for a sequel to do so. Because I, I think Indigo was a cool character. I think that they did a good job. I think I like that actress yeah. playing her. Um, and I, I really want to shout out Skylin Brooks. I think his performance is hamster, especially his play with Manganiello is some of the best stuff in the movie. Yeah. Um, their, their banter early on where they're talking about like, oh, you know, I want to be like Hunter S. Thompson. Did you have one of those? And he's like, I don't know what that is. And he explains it. He's like, oh, yeah, we had a guy like that. Like, it, it, that that kind of concept stuff was really cool. God, I love, Manganiello delivers some lines just so well, like the one where they get to the, where the Crystal Cave would be. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I just, it's so beautiful. I just wanted you to see it. Yeah. Um, and and you really get a sense of what that relationship is. And, and it's a shame that the rest of the film couldn't like deliver the punch on that. Yeah. Um, I, I do more more than the script lets me. I believe how much Max Fisk cares about the kid because of Joe Manganiello's performance. Yeah, yeah. I, I think all the performances are good. I think the scripts just kind of kind of lacking there. Yeah, I do kind of enjoy seeing Joe Manganiello like all scruffy, beard, like a little unhinged. I did like. I did like. I did enjoy that because normally whenever I. Did. I I was just gonna say I didn't understand why he aged 15 years when he dropped in, but Cleo didn't. Yeah, that, that was... she didn't. She say she dropped in like six years earlier. Oh, but it's still she didn't age though. So like, but that, so... but that he he implied yeah. that like the moment he went in because of going through the thing, it aged him 15 years. I wonder if that's just him being high out of his mind. Probably. <laughs> uh, he doesn't understand beards. He's like, what? What? 15 yeah. years? <laughs> um. Should we rate it? Yeah. Uh, Ryan, since you said your final thoughts first, why don't you yeah. rate it? I'll give it a solid seven. I think it's it's a it's a cool concept that that doesn't quite nail it as much as I wanted it to. But I think uh, if you could see it for cheap, I think if you see it for cheap, uh, it's worth a, a watch if you're into genre stuff. I give it a seven. Sparks. Yeah, considering the low budget, you know, kind of indie film that it is, I I think that. It's got broad concepts that it's trying to execute, and and sometimes those things are there and they're connecting, but it does overall just doesn't it doesn't land uh, in a way to be anything 
um, truly special or to, to deliver the impact I think it wants to. So I'd also probably give it a seven um, more, more than anything for the performances from the main characters, the, the three leads um, I think are just so good, especially like giving young unknown black talent, those kind of roles uh, where they get to do a lot with it was really nice to watch. Um, uh, I thought that not only we didn't really mention it, but the relationship between the brother and sister, I also thought was good for the, for the little amount of dialogue that we actually got to flesh it out. They made me believe it. They made me connect with it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, uh, they are doing such a good job that it makes me appreciate the film on a level that I think with weaker actors, this movie would overall be a wash. Mm -hmm. Ben. Uh, I gotta give it a six. Um, It's good. It's, it's perfectly fine but i feel like there are a lot of steps this movie could have taken to make it better i, I once again i get it's a small budget it's an indie film you, you can't you can only do so much but there could have been so much more that this movie that they could have done as like with the stuff with the wife um um the ambiguity of if um whether or not max is telling the truth or not i would have i would have enjoyed that a little bit more but there are just so many times i'm like hold up what and I mean, it's it's not bad. It's it's to me, it's just barely passable. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say six point five. Split the difference. There you go. Um, yeah. Should we get into our book club? I guess. Let's do, Let's it. do it. Sparks, take it away. Hey guys, we're doing a Giant Killer, which is a nice little six-issue mini uh, by Dan Barrington. He wrote it and he drew it, and it is super cool. It's from Image Comics, and the concept is all about this uh, this volcanic eruption in, in San Francisco um, that starts leaking out. Uh, giant monsters and uh the government's trying to find a way to deal with it so they decide oh we're gonna take some dna we're gonna make we're gonna make ourselves little little kaiju killer uh and it it works out for them honestly uh <laughs> just it just kind of goes okay <laughs> did you say uh, did you say image comics uh yeah did I I get that DC comics no this is image yeah image the issues we read on our website were um yeah, they're DC comics. Uh, I guess it it moved companies. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's true. That's weird. Well, well, suck it. It's image. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> uh, that's that's interesting. That that uh, I guess it must have come out uh, D, uh, DC Comics indie and then just moved to image. Image might like yeah. might have like picked that up or something. Yeah, yeah. Or the yeah. guy still owns the rights to the book and just moved it. Yeah, awesome. this came out in 1999. You can tell. I saw some of the advertisements in '99. I love the, the advertisements. That yeah, amazing. that was. Um, that's that was a, a kind of nice, like, uh, you know, people listening or watching the podcast. I live with Sparks, but he's out of town, so I didn't have the the physical copy. So I read an online version. Uh, yeah, man, ads are wild back then. <laughs> yeah, I love um, it. What are we thinking about the so the comic in general? Uh, I, I I enjoyed it. I kind of wish it was longer though. There's a there's a point specifically that I think would have would have benefited from uh, more breadth, uh, mm-hmm. more space to just work on because uh, the turn is pretty sudden and I don't quite buy I don't I don't quite buy buy it at that point in the story. But uh, all in all, it's a it's a it's a fun romp. It's a good kaiju. 
yeah, I yeah. think I, I think forgetting to tell this story in six issues, it does a great job. The art is gorgeous. Oh my god, um, absolutely in love with this art. Um, I've, I've I now am following Dan Barrington on Instagram, and I'm just looking at all his art, and he's just got such a wonderful style. Um, I had a really good time with this book. I really enjoyed it. Um, there are times it, it zigged where I thought it was going to zag, to be honest. Like I thought um, the head scientist, the one who led the project, was going to turn. He's like, yes, I can create more and control the world. Or or he was eventually going to be led to evil. Or, and I really enjoyed the book. I also enjoyed it. Did. Yeah, um, it's exactly what Spark said, which was just, it just things went well. Yeah. <laughs> this, this worked out for them. And also, I really liked how the how the doctor i can't i can't i read this hours ago i can't believe i'm blanking on his name but when he gives him the sword and then the general's like why are you giving him that samurai crap he's like he's like hey first of all i was born in america two he needs to have a warrior's code we don't want this dude to go out there and just slaughter shit for sake of slaughtering shit no pansy ass american code uh it's uh azuma is the doctor azuma thank you I, uh, I reading this, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. And I very quickly, I got strong Hellboy vibes because I didn't expect this to be a r almost regular sized monster man who carries around a samurai sword, who has like a dad scientist. Not what I expected. I expected him to be like a kaiju s monster. This dude's tiny as hell, like co compared to the kaiju that he fights. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, he's just a cool dude and he has a cool sister. And like, this was just a lot of fun. Like, like. It yeah. just—it looks beautiful, man. Like she's like Jill's cool. Like got a crossbow. Yeah. I can't complain. I—I I had a feeling Jill was like because they mentioned Jill on the very first page, and then like yeah, Jill's probably not gonna happen. And then we see her later. And I was like, oh, you're Jill. But oh, I'm so, yeah, I, I didn't. That. I for some reason did not put two and two together. I'm usually really good about picking shit up, but like, oh, of course that's Jill. Oh, you got me, but you got but me. One of the, but just to get the, the the negatives out of the way, the one thing I don't know if this is because the way I read it, I may have missed something. But when we go from issue five to six and we meet the character Knox, the big monster who actually talks. Yes. Um, yeah. I like how I, I love Knox, to be perfectly honest. I think he's cool because he's like, oh, don't worry. This is what monsters do. We destroy. I mean, I'm not mad that the young destroyer is killing. That's, I mean, he's part monster. We love, we live for this shit. But I've grown to like you guys. Mm -hmm. And we get, and then he's taking Jill away, but all of a sudden he's dead, and I don't see how he dies. I don't oh. know if it's the roar. I don't no, know if it's the roar. I'm like, no, it's those, it's those, it's those, it's those monsters that was chasing Jill. Uh, oh, okay. She, she, no, sorry, a tentacle monster, like a green tentacle monster, takes him out of the sky, and you imagine that there's a battle. We see that on the screen. You know, that's not necessarily what I. But the the talking the talking monster is a good example of that of that moment that I kind of wish was expanded on more, because when he shows up, it's like oh I can uh, I'm a talking monster I've been here for six hundred years, um and and then it's like he's like I'm not going to kill a monster again and blah blah, blah. so like there that kind of transition happens in like a very in a couple of panels and I kind of wish it like had an issue of like him dealing with the fact that he's been killing his brethren and like him like, I would have liked more exploration of his um of his change of heart and so, yeah I think I think it's uh, the implication is supposed to be that it happens in the in the weeks that he's in there with Jill yeah. that you're not seeing and and uh that he's kind of been reaching that decision across that period of time because we know jill's mentality about him murdering them because we're following her narration she's like man he's just like slaughtering them without abandon mm -hmm. dang dude uh and and i think that is supposed to have influenced it but i agree with you that like it's not it's not as fleshed out but like 
also a six issue series like you know you make your choices i guess and uh, like i've said this before i don't think it's a bad thing to just want more of a thing no and i also i also think that this one is very very much a a art project first and like visual art project first and then a story concept second uh and it's it's more about like just an excuse to make all these beautiful beautiful images of these kaiju-esque monsters and this this monster man giant killer character yochu or jack who just looks dope as hell like it all looks so incredible that it you know any lackluster lack anything lackluster in the story is automatically made up for by the gorgeous art there's a there's a death cult that I that I absolutely love. I think they look dope, and they're like, "Well, this looks like a good place to die." And I'm like, "That's so funny. I love it." They're a bunch of redneck apocalypse people just ready to die. And, and they have a name for the kaiju they're waiting for, but it's just whatever is the first kaiju to show up gets the name. Yeah, and yeah. they're like, "Yes, take us, Jotun." <laughs> like that's it. Um. Oh yeah, I also took a picture of um. You guys, you guys saw the original Hulk movie the 2004 hulk when sam elliott was thunderbolt ross this came out in 1999 but tell me that's not that's not thunderbolt ross sam elliott five years early that's a hundred percent sam elliott as thunderbolt ross dude i would i would even i would i would argue that that's ross whether that's the the ang lee hulk movie or the incredible hulk movie like i think (laughs) they both look exactly like him it's so Um, funny i saw that i'm like sam elliott what's going on yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent um i'm just so I, sad that there's not more of this like it's over 20 years and like it's unfortunately just a six issue thing man yeah it's it, it is kind of a bummer in that sense i i feel more or less satisfied again like it's just something where i'm not, i'm happy to sit there like that these pages are so colorful oh, yeah, yeah. they're so full of of dynamic art pieces that i'm like you know i'm i'm just happy that this exists where you get like these these awesome looking creatures the- uh, and incredibly beautiful and dynamic panels uh uh to to look at does your your physical copy have the covers of all of them because every one of the like issue one issue two has like these beautiful like godzilla-esque like japanese covers yeah hold on i'll I'll flip to one and show you what it's like oh by the way nox is awesome yeah nox Uh, so nox showed up that felt great um yeah so this is this is what the beginning of each section looks like so you get the issue cover on one side and then you get like this uh this this action page yeah yeah book five uh thing that it does the physical um, you told me also has like the monster guide in the back and i'm excited to check that out yeah jill jill has a in the physical edition you get jill's monster guide which is written from her perspective and it is her analysis of uh of each kaiju that shows up and even a couple that if you see them you barely see them in the background mm-hmm. um and and that's really fleshed out uh, all through this and it's you know these beautiful pages of them and you get little her little blurbs describing them and her opinions on them um they've got some great names in here for them ones that you didn't know like uh mosh is the name of the uh kind of praying mantis looking one that we see for a moment um i i really love you do hear this one's name but i love that one's just called lava baby <laughs> yeah lava um, baby. i think lava baby's great uh this one there's this giant female one named peeler uh that's like a lady yeah um she's pretty dope so yeah there's looks like cthulhu next to her next to her yeah yeah it's uh, it's quag uh quag is the one that kills nox yeah Uh, i do i I really like um 
that the idea is that these monsters come from a wormhole that crashed into a volcano. Yes, a wild I love that. Concept. I I love that. I love that idea. I think all of that is cool. Oh, here's Ymir. Uh, Ymir is like a giant yeti type. Mm. Uh, which is pretty good. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's it's really cool just how much work he put into designing these awesome creatures, and he created this story around them. I think like the the final issue with Roar is really good, where he has this showdown uh, uh, going into there, and I love the imagery of him when he comes out. the The scars that he had that have been lasered into the tattoo of the dragon are gone. Mm. Uh, he has his clean chest. He is reborn in that fire, which is pretty cool. The the scale, um, the scale of the books is impressive, but that final issue with Roar, like like he just just the the the, the, the immensity of them is like it's really good. It's really well drawn. It's it kind of reminds me of a Dark Souls fight. Ooh, big bad. Ching, oh ching. yeah, because you got you um, Dark Souls and Bloodborne. You face these creatures, these monsters that are like ten times your size, and all you have is a sword. So you have to, you have to like go in and dodge roll and pray to God you you win. Yeah, I also just really like uh, the concept of like what happens to man, uh, is mankind when they enter the area that has been affected, this Diablo Valley. Um, mm-hmm. they melt. Uh, you get that. You get the federal agent who's like, "I don't believe in this. It's a hologram," and uh, and gets butchered up, and he starts turning into a possessed monster thing. Uh, I love uh, it of Roar, and I thought that was really cool. That was some good like old school horror look that that when you see his face just close up as it's as it's going through he's very ghoulish uh i thought i I just really liked it i i mean like i'm I'm more than anything sold by the art style but the art style is enough to sell me and i think that the story is good enough um and you know it's it's may not be anything like super incredible to write home about and in in, like the sense of character arcs or emotional satisfaction um but the art is just worth it and if you like giant kaiju books like giant killers worth checking out it's just just this one story you get you get a lot of cool really great eye candy out of it we talked Um, last week about how like predictability isn't a bad thing and like well this this book is gorgeous and it has a somewhat predictable story that's not a bad thing like yeah yeah. um and i I, stories there yeah and i didn't i didn't really think uh i didn't think the jill stuff was going to play out like like i'll be honest when we were starting when you're starting the book what i thought was going to happen is that jill was going to be hunting him or he was going to be hunting her one of the two Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that that was really never part of the story, they were just kind of curious about each other to begin with. I thought uh, she was, was going to be an alien. Yeah. I thought she was Lena Headey. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, it's a fun it's a fun, fun little thing. Uh, like I said, not a bad thing to want more of a thing. Absolutely. It's a bummer. Yeah. Summer, like again like 20 years later like not even an not even like a fake announcement for like a tv show or a movie like this property is just like here it is come back yeah <laughs> yeah uh more more than anything i'm i'm kind of sitting here uh just like looking forward to finding more excuses to look at dan barrington's work mm-hmm. um that's that's clearly something i'm going to keep an eye out for you think that like uh with the art this gorgeous we'd have seen him on some main titles in a bigger way by now uh, yeah. That being said, that being said, uh, on his most recent Instagram, um, I just saw he just did some Marvel pieces. Um, I'm gonna pull them up. You guys go ahead and start conversation for the next thing. Well, it's time um, to end the book club. Who's next, Johnny? Sorry, Brandon, that's your job. <laughs> it's Ben. Well, guess what, guys? I Are we gonna do it again? Book club this week, 
or this yeah, upcoming right. week. Uh, Ryan, you'd be happy to know that I'm on a bit of a Karen Gillian run because I put Marty and Skalgar on my pull list because holy shit, that is a goddamn great book. Bing bong. Uh, I also saw a book at this comic store that I'm like, hey, that sounds like a really cool idea. I want to read Wait, let that. me let me guess. Can I guess? It's a Karen Gillan book, so yes, you can guess. Once in future. No. Okay, go ahead. Die. Hey. Yeah, it's an RPG book. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Die Volume One, um, by uh, Karen Gillian and artist Stephanie Hans. Okay, it's Karen Gillan. I was gonna cry. Karen Gillan. I've been saying Gillian, haven't I? You've been saying because, Karen Gillian. That's because the the Guardians of the Galaxy actress is Karen Gillan. Gillian. Yeah. Oh no, it's yeah. not. I don't know who it is. But yeah, Volume One, Fantasy Heartbreaker of Die. Uh, um. Rolls. That sounds awesome. I'm looking forward to reading it. So if you go to Dan Barrington's uh, Instagram, you'll see that he just in last November, he did the uh, uh, X-Men variant for Marvel's anthology, Marvel uh, number two. I actually forgot that Dan Dan Barrington did Nocturnals, which is something I'm looking at for the book club in the future. That's not Marvel mm-hmm. related. He also, um, he has this incredible dead man piece. Oh yeah, I'm looking uh, right now. Up. So um Keep an eye on Dan Barrington, guys. He's got like really incredible artwork. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Space Jean Grey. Yeah. You see that Spectre pop that's coming out from Funko? Oh yeah. I want it. How how could I miss it? You posted it in like three places. Uh, two. He wants you um, to know. Oh, I'm sorry. It's my text messages count as one. I texted you. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> the, the Spectre. Spectre's got you. Um, okay, so Ben, so Die Volume One. Yes, Die Volume um, One. Yeah, I, Kieran I, Gillen, uh, he he made a tabletop RPG to accompany the comic that he made. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm probably going to be looking at that now that we're reading the book. Uh, Kieran Gillen, I was uh, I was listening to Weekly Planet, and they were talking about Die and how it was it was it came out because the end of the D and D TV series doesn't end with the kids coming back to the real world. So they've mm-hmm. just been lost in, in that world forever. Um, as, as he wrote it as like, what if those kids came back and that, yeah. so it's like the, the next part of that series. Cool. Yeah. I, I actually got inspired when I went to the comic book store today um, on the new graphic novels rack was volume three. And then mm. I'm like, Ooh, cause I, I didn't flip through. I just looked at it. I was like, wait, I know that name. And then I was like, Oh, I think I remember someone telling me about this. So I figured, why not give it a shot in the book club? And lo and behold, it's my week to pick. So here we go. Love it. Uh, next week, we don't know what we're talking about for our main topic. So, oh, Mag, I didn't see your, I didn't see your comment. Have a good night, gang. You the best, Mag. Um, uh, so we don't know what we're talking about next week as far as the main topic goes. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll probably tell you when we do the episode. What we're gonna do is I'm just gonna close my eyes, look the other way, and throw a dart in a dartboard, and whatever it lands on, that's what we're talking about. Uh, blue. We're talking about the color blue because you didn't put topics on the dartboard. You just said you're gonna throw it at a dartboard. <laughs> Wait, what dartboard has blue on it? Never mind. Let's not go there. <laughs> you want to come at me with colors, Ryan? Oh, that's really? Why that's why I stopped. I'm sorry. You come to my house. No, I'm kidding. Uh, all right, guys. Make sure to like this video, subscribe to this channel. We greatly appreciate it. Um, our episode on space sweepers did very well. Uh, 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 why? <laughs> I legit think that's mostly not from this country. Oh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Welcome, everyone from the other countries. Hi. Um, okay, but of course, if you subscribe to this channel, you can see a bunch of our other 
content such as our Fake Nerds Watch series, which we are currently doing WandaVision, as I said up top. One, two, there are two episodes of WandaVision <laughs> below. So you can check that out, and we're doing that weekly. Two more episodes of that left, and then we go into Falcon Winter Soldier. Um, and maybe something else before that. Who knows? Um, we also have Basement Arcade, uh, which is a bit of a hiatus right now. And Basement Arcade Pause Menu, our freshman TV, our freshman series, uh, which is audio and video. Uh, where they, again, like I said, link in the description for the Adults Talking Anime Plus um, thing that you guys did with uh, talking about video game consoles. Yep. Yep. Episode expect two. a uh, Expect a pause menu in the future about uh, that Avengers campaign whenever you're Ben and Brandon play it. Um, and of course, the Fake Nerd Book Club. Um, there is an audio version of the Fake Nerd Book Club with the Michael Morisi interview, but we are also currently doing Little Char and the Gang if you're watching the videos. Um, for you audio listeners, you're just about to get to uh, the Pride and the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Go, go. But for you video watchers, Little Char and the Gang, second episode soon. Uh, of course, we also have our masks. If you want to stop the pandemic? Please wear your mask and why not make it a crafted by Z fake nerd podcast mask? Because we've got some of those. We'd be happy to sell them to you guys. Of course, we also have our Patreon. If you'd like to support us uh, financially instead of the wonderful work you guys do to support us anyway. Um, if you want to support us financially, you can find our three tiers on that one. Our $5 tier, our $10 tier subscription service uh, with a shirt. Um, you get a shirt. Guys, you get a shirt for 10 bucks. It's pretty cool. Pretty good. Um, and then of course our $20 tier of like, Hey, you like us, but if you subscribe, the first person to subscribe to the $20 tier, will get to ship in a bottle from Ryan Eliopoulos. That is a fake nerd podcast guarantee. It's a guarantee. I said it once. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have our T public where you can find a bunch of new merchandise, uh, where we have our, um, I'd rather be a fake nerd than a true fan, which blew up on Twitter this week because I posted about it. Yeah. That was surprising. Um, we also have our new logos for Fake Nerds Washington Basement Arcade on the descri- on the on the T Public now that uh, Sparks created for us. Mm. All those links are in the description below. Uh, you can help us out by that, or you can go to our website at www.fakenerdpodcast.com. Also, in the link is also linked below. Um, all of our links are there as our homepage. You can check us all out there. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the the the, the lives the live show and the, the video afterwards. Thank you to everyone who subscribes to us on all the things we can't do the show without you. We love you guys. Thank you to Jeremy Bellucci who made two guest star appearances on this very episode. Two, boy, did he! <laughs> um, he, he does our theme music. All the wonderful themes that you've heard throughout the episode, uh, he did. Uh, he did those at Jeremy Bellucci keyboards. And then, of course, he does Suburban Proctologist, where you can... It's, our, it's his podcast, his comedy podcast. You can find that on iTunes or at Facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official or Instagram at Subproc Podcast. And, of course, Mike Matola. Mike's a wonderful person who gave me some tips about how to fix my destroyed wall. Um, it, that's, that's a story. Um, you can find him at Mike Matola. all of his awesome art. I and mean, he did the beautiful logos for us. Um, book club, miscellaneous, and podcast. Um, okay, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Fake Nerd Podcast, guys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Ben, where can they find you? 
Well, you can find me celebrating the 35th anniversary of the Legend of Zelda series at BenMaca27 on Instagram and Twitter. And also, I write for OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com. Great news. A brand new article is coming up. Not tonight. Probably tomorrow. I'm really McFrickin' tired. What is it about? It's about the Game Boy Advance. So You're McFrickin' tired? I am really McFrickin' tired. <laughs> I love that you said McFrickin'. <laughs> I've been saying that a lot re- lately. I don't know why. I'll have a McFrickin'. You can find me just in awe of the talent of Dan Barrington at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S P A R K Z Witty. Ryan, uh, you could find me knowing that it was all along at DJ Tony Snark. <laughs> Spoilers for WandaVision. It's been a year, it's been a day, it's been too long. All right, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcast, and Pandora. Uh, Like this video, subscribe to this channel, rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Until next time you see us, whatever show that is, stay fake, nerds. Stay fake, nerds.